I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999 Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the movies of 1999 from our East Harlem Elementary School sure. here in 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Iscove. And today, I feel like introducing the host before we introduce the, the movie. I mean, the guests guess? before we introduce the movie. Yeah, they're more interesting. They're more interesting than this movie. <laughs> With us today, wow. yeah. we have two of our finest guests. First repeat. Nope. Incorrect. Really? Hunter and oh, Hunter and Stacy. Right. Stacy yeah. and but you know whatever. First repeat. Who aren't I guess, married? But we're, yeah, who aren't married? Yes. <laughs> well, you don't need. Yeah. High, high standard. Yep. Yeah. Hunter, I'm coming for it. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. she's got a three timers club. She's gonna beat him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Three timers. You watched John Hill last night, didn't you? No. Um, oh, we yeah five timers thing. We watched the beginning yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like the. Yeah. Uh, I like the Adam Grossman sketch. I don't know if we saw that far. The Benny Han thing? Uh, uh, it was fun. That sounds like something I should we, watch. Yeah. I'm six. Do you love Benny Hanna? Yes. Oh my God, me too. <laughs> do you really? Benny Hanna. Oh, really? it's like, do you my like favorite the food place? or do you just like the ambiance? All of the food. <laughs> I don't know if that's a response it's, in the positive is, or negative. It's, it's, a, it's delicious. Once you've been there, I'd say two to 3,000 times like I have, the show kind of gets old. The food never does. Wow. We right. should get them as a sponsor. Can the we guests, make that happen, yes. Ernie? The, the guests are <laughs> Melissa Laura and Corinne Steichman. They are. Here um, again. Here again to talk about the, Music of the Heart. Well, and maybe more specifically, the greatest actress of ever, maybe? I mean, is Meryl well, Streep, I mean, arguably the greatest, not, certainly one of the greatest. Not, not to like get more woke than you, 
Maybe the greatest actor ever. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I don't mean to be. Rollins asked didn't mean me. To make it Rollins asked me, and I, and I didn't even mean. I didn't even mean to be cool about it. But he asked me who the best actor is, and I think that's kind of the only answer. Because who's the best male actor? Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, that's what I yeah. Like the person that we all kind of point to. I'd probably say Tom Hanks to be honest. But like, wow. Um, I love Corinne would agree. I actually don't. That's another conversation. But you don't think he has the range? I think Daniel Day Lewis might be a little bit more. Uh, versatile. I might be talking about movie star versus actor sure. type thing. Oh, but yeah. Daniel right. Day-Lewis is not a yeah. like glad not going to be Woody in Toy Story. No. Ever. No, he would be a terrifying Woody. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, guys. I think I'd pull watch it off. That. But the, the thing about Meryl Streep is, I think she answers, I think she's the answer to both these questions. The greatest actor, yeah. the greatest movie star. When I would also say, yeah. she can kill comedy and drama. Like I'm not. I don't know what Daniel Day Lewis as a comedian is. He'd, he'd be amazing. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's actually pretty funny in his Academy Award acceptance speeches. Yeah. If I'm being honest, but I, it's only because I think we're just like, oh, he he made a joke. I only like There Will that, Be Blood yeah. as a comedy. <laughs> this is so <laughs> true. Although yeah, Phantom really Phantom funny. Thread is is a comedy, is a comedy. Yeah. and I think he's in on it. But I can't mm, be 100 percent sure. Know. It's also not a knee slapper. You know, you're not no, like rolling no, no, no. in the aisles. <laughs> It's like, oh, that's becomes her. That was charming yeah. and witty. Like, yeah. That's the kind of Yeah, that it's no she devil. Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, that's on my top Meryl movies, so we can talk about We're it. also going to do our top Meryl movies at the end of the episode, uh, per Mel's request, because she knows Meryl Streep so well. I might want to change to my top five in sync songs. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ. That, that's a list I can get in on. <laughs> really? Sure. There's music of the heart. <laughs> there are Academy Award nominated. <laughs> there's yeah. five. Oh, it's, it's easy. There's. Bye bye so bye. I, I can name five in sync songs. It's kind of what I don't I'm even think I can. Getting it. I, I don't think I can. But right. that's not, yeah. All right, well, anyway. We, 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 we will get there. We will get there. We're doing Music of the Heart today. Uh, the Meryl Streep West Craven joint. And uh, I'm really not sure what to say about this movie. Just Let's just do the synopsis. Let's there's just get this out of the way. There's actually a ton to say about this there movie. There is. I, I don't mean to say that there is. I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, contextually, not really that much to say, just in terms of. There wasn't a tremendous amount of development, although we have, I have a couple of things to talk about on that front, mm-hmm. but let's do the synopsis because I'm sure 10 people have seen this movie. It's also um, not very complicated. It's also not very you complicated. You are underestimating the number of sentence. people that watch this movie because of, of an NSYNC <laughs> Melissa Laura being one. Wow. Right here. <laughs> this We're like right discovering here. a whole underworld oh. of NSYNC can, in 1999. This cannot be surprising. No. But not now, no. It's not surprising. Well, you know what's so weird for me is like, I thought this movie was something it wasn't because my only... My only like sense memory of this movie was watching the video. I never right. saw the video, and I think the video had oh, like glorious, yeah, yeah, had like glorious Stefan <laughs> and in sync in a like pretty big mm-hmm. open gym. Now yeah. I remember it, and like with like violins and stuff. Obviously I'm like, violence. oh, so this mostly takes place in like big open spaces. Mm-hmm. They're like in a, a lot high of light. school gym. I think they were mostly Singing, in high school. I feel like gym. it was in blue yeah. and like really dark lighting. It had mood like, lighting going on. Yeah, like, yeah. They're all wearing black, if I remember correctly. It was yeah. really yeah. Kind of like somber. Very, it's it's kind of somber. Yeah. It's not a fun song. No. That song has been stuck in my head since I watched this. Yeah. So well, movie there you go. It's really earworm, that music of the heart. Honestly, it's just garbage. It's a bad song. It's not a It's stuck in your Head, I which know is something. It's, been, it's like that's all a, songs of 19. I actually really like that point. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it bested like, me. Yeah, well, it's that, it's that Trump thing, you know. As, as, oh, as long as long as it sticks in your head, like make America great again, is so stupid. But I will never forget it. Yeah. So, the synopsis of Music of the Heart 
is after being abandoned by her husband, depressed music teacher Roberta lands a job teaching violin to underprivileged children in Harlem, New York. Despite initial friction from school principal Janet Williams, played by Angela Bassett, and the students, the program succeeds and attracts public recognition. After 10 years, however, the program is suddenly shut down following budget cuts, and Roberta, together with Williams and her former pupils, work to hold a fundraising concert. I mean, that's the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. They basically just told us the whole thing, so we really don't need to talk about the plot of this movie. That's one sentence. Like, yes. That's how uncomplicated this movie is. It, but, but I would also you know? say, could not be worse executed. Like, could not be, <laughs> like, and I say that just on a purely screenplay writing yeah, that's perspective. How I feel too. Oh, yeah. You're just like, what? How did you fuck this up? On like, I went into level. this thinking, like, okay, yeah. Dangerous Minds or Mr. Holland's Opus or any number of other teacher helping kids movies. And then this was so inept. In how it's executed, I was just like, and Mel and I watched it together, uh, and it's just boring. It, there's no stakes to it somehow. They remove all stakes from this yeah, movie. There are, it, it's very repetitive, and it's also, I, I don't think that it's, I mean, I don't like it. I'm not going to sit here and say, go watch this movie. Just listen to yeah, the no. podcast. Um, yeah. But it, we'll give you they try you and do something that, they're trying to not be like Dangerous Minds, which is like super hokey in its own Right. The, the but bad I like news, Dangerous Minds. Sure. But the bad news is this movie was already made and it was called Sister Act 2. And everybody <laughs> back loved- Back in the habit? Yeah, yeah. Back in the habit. <laughs> and that movie is what is everything that this movie isn't and mm. is more enjoyable. Mm. And not that you need to have a big rip-roaring, you know, Whoopi Goldberg- Boogie woogie at the piano, whatever. I wish you could see Corinne dancing right now. Everybody. <laughs> she gave us a little bit of the boogie. Yeah, get boogie. off the table. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to party. This is music of the fucking heart. Um, uh, better title. Um, yeah, but I just. I, uh, it's not fun. It's not There's fun. There's no joy no. in this movie. It was trying to do. I feel like it was trying to be a little more like. I don't. She didn't. It wasn't about. Like the racial interesting part yeah. of it is that she didn't want to go in and save these underprivileged kids. Yeah. She basically was just there as an emotional receptacle for all of their problems that she had no idea how to solve. But of, so of, of course, the movie wanted her to save these kids. Well, that's, that's the thing. That that's like, it that's, was trying that, to it do It kind of makes things. me sick. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to ask you another question. I'm listening. My first question of the day for you. Um <laughs> You said like something to the effect of that's not what this movie wants to be. What do you think this movie like? What do you think its North Star was? Well, this is that's sort of the question I was asking myself as I was. That was a question it. for Corinne, but okay. Oh, I'm sorry, anyway. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my apologies because I don't know the answer. I don't know. I, I was hoping you were going to take this one. Um, <laughs> that was a question for Melissa. No, um, <laughs> I got this. I think it was. Tr- it was trying. I don't. I don't. It just. Ugh. Well, because I think I'm going to cut so you off many real quick here. Yeah. Because the Wes Craven thing is, I think, the big question mark here. Because he's never made a movie like this before. He never makes a movie like this again. It feels like a guy who's like, I don't want to do horror movies anymore. I'm going to shake it up. I want to do something you know, very heartfelt. And it's got the best of intentions. I don't, I don't think he... But, but I, I just, for, to that point, he, he, would, he didn't want to shake it up. My sense is... Shake up his own... But I don't think he wanted to shake it up. My sense is... He was getting a chance to do the thing he always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree with that. One. And mm-hmm. so that, so so that there must be some analog in recent film history where a movie like this worked. And I don't think Mr. Holland's Opus is the answer. I think mm-hmm. it's a brilliant fucking movie. I'm crazy about movie. that movie. That's nothing like this movie. That movie's all about Mr. Holland. 
You know, it wasn't it's about. Opus. Well, it's and, and, but I would, I would, I would argue that it it structurally has some similarities, a which is bit. the connection to the students and the aging of the students and that story. Mr. Holland's Opus is way more successful at it because you don't care about, unfortunately, care about the kids because they're not drawn particularly well. But in that movie, or in this movie, yeah. But in I don't Mr. Holland's Opus, he does have like those kids punctuate the storyline, right? Well, Mr. Holland's Opus is, is about him, like to. Real simply, it's about a guy who views teaching as a as a last resort fallback option and has always considered his life to be a failure. Yeah. And that's so powerful to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whereas I don't really know what this movie is kind of well, about, aside from I surviving. Think it's kind of, it, I felt like it was two movies. It was both like... It was both this like 90s woman movie about a woman who's dependent on a man and always needs a man in her life trying to figure out what her character is on her own. And the first half of the movie, she's basically chasing around after her ex-husband and chasing around after this <laughs> boy toy guy from Practical Magic. Um, Aiden Quinn. Sure. Um, and then and then, <laughs> and then she discovers her voice in the classroom with these kids because she starts figuring out who she is as a person on her own, as an independent working lady. I don't think you can make that movie anymore. I don't think that comes across, though, until when we jump 10 years. Because in the first half of the movie, the only scene where I see her actually like engaging in what she's doing is when she's trying to get the job and when she like brings her sons yeah. into Angela Bassett I think that's and, the like, thing that proves like I'm taking control the rest of that's actually no, the, that's yeah. the only scene in the movie she's active exactly yes. yeah. but that is Which I is think initiative I, what's interesting I think that's what I think that's only half of the movie the other half of the movie is this inspirational you know movie trope of I'm going to go save a bunch of kids in Harlem or whatever that is. Um, so it, it just, it's constantly fighting itself because it's neither, it's neither movie. Um, and then it's just, yeah. it's just re- very repetitive and again, well, no stakes. I keep coming back to, to that. Like the, it, to me, what made it so, there was no struggle in this movie. Like usually you have in movies of this nature where they're, they're fighting the system, right? And it's mm-hmm. a teacher that's trying that that has a, a mission and it's, this all comes very easily to her. She doesn't really have to fight for any of it. It all kind of lands in her lap at every turn for all intents and purposes. The relationship with Aiden Quinn, which happens so quickly, and I, I, I turned to Mel and I was like, wait, what? Like she's living with him now? And he's like, it's just, it's all very jarring. It's just, it's, it's, it's as though they ignored every screenwriting rule of how to engage your audience in a, in a, Screenplay. I wonder if a lot of this had to do with the fact that it was based on a person's real life, yeah. and then it was based on a documentary yeah. about a person's right, real right, life. Right. And I guess because it was based on this documentary and because it was about her life, she had some input in this movie. Oh, that's, and I wonder if she just basically uh, said, you know, this relationship with Aiden Quinn was important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so even though it actually had no real arc or relevance, they felt <laughs> like they had. To, they felt. I, well, I just think. Yeah. I not not to get too into my own my own stuff right now. I I think it was an important part of the movie, though. Maybe I'm going to die on this hill, and I will. And it is about how he she gets divorced from this husband, and she's so I mean in Meryl form, she's so desperate and like you can't leave me, like don't leave me for some other woman. She literally tells her mother, "I'm just going to basically sit around and wait for my ex husband to come back," and then he doesn't come back, and then this guy comes into her life, and she's like oh, this guy will replace him and I can just put him into the husband role and I can cling on to him and I don't even need to have a career, whatever. It's it's her, the importance is like she's, 
it's her learning not to be dependent on men is my feeling. And he becomes this guy who's not going to do all that stuff for her. And it gives her that moment to say to him, like, no, you're fired or whatever it is she says to him. And she kicks him out of her life because he's not going to fulfill all this. Like, it, it's a moment I mean, of self actualization. I like that sentiment. I'm not sure that yeah, the movie actually. No, I'm not really saying it. I don't think it's effective, but I think that's why he's in the but movie. But it's weird, I, right? Because her teaching these students, you should be able to see, I think, connection between the life outside the classroom and inside the classroom. And there is none. Oh, yeah. Literally <laughs> But none. there's so much time yes. put into the life outside the classroom. I, mean, I want, I, I just feel like. So the reason the reason he's in there <laughs> yep. is like a strictly story reason. He was the mm-hmm. connector that got her the job. Yeah. yeah. So oh, interesting. I, I didn't see. Okay. That's true. That's I, totally I true. This credit, yeah. And I just think credit. it was like a little simple thing where she's like, well, was Aiden Quinn got me the job? So like, he's going to be in there. And they're like, well, it was true. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, it's like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm writing something right now based on a person's life, based on his memoir, where he's going to be involved. And I'm wrestling with this exact notion <laughs> sure. a lot. Is it Tom Hanks? It's <laughs> <laughs> It's not what you That's, think it is, actually. It's, oh, not, it's not. No, it's no, it's something, okay. it's something else. Okay. But uh, I have so many projects. But um, <laughs> but it's I, I can I can I can it's a, it's kind of a weak little screenwriter thing to do to let like the per, the subject of your biopic have any influence over the narrative. My sense is that's what happened because there's so many threads in here that really don't matter. And on mm-hmm. top of that, there are things like, not to jump all the way to the end, but there's this really, really horrible down and back at the end when they're planning the benefit concert where Jane leaves, plays this oh God. photojournalist who's there for no real reason. She <laughs> saves every problem. She Who, fixes everything. Right, yeah. so she comes up with the idea for the benefit. Jane yeah. leaves. Jane leaves saves her on her ass like 10 times. Gets her the, the why. Gets her her boyfriend who happens to be one of the best violinists in the world. Who then in turn gets her to talk to Perlman and Isaac Stern and all these incredible violinists. Then there's this flood off camera. And the whole thing is in trouble for a second. And then Jane leaves again, <laughs> says, I got Carnegie Hall. Like, we're good. Right? So yep. I believe... That all happened. Mm-hmm. I believe that all happened as the they said it, it happened. Uh-huh. But that sucks. No, I, I, I think it's more just, I wonder if it's not just playing too close to the documentary that already existed. And you know that thing about when people make, tr- like based on a real story movies, and then you go back and you look at the real story and it's like, oh gosh, none of this stuff happened. How could the creators come up with all this stupid drama and this guy didn't even exist and this person, whatever. It's, it's always all these creative liberties to make the story interesting. And I feel like maybe the writer was like, no, 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 we're going to make it. I love I creative exactly. liberties. Exactly. Yeah, I, no, it's very important. Yes. Especially also, in biopics. Yes. Biopics and, and adaptations, boring. which yes. is that the essence is what's important. Yes. Not, mm-hmm. not in, you know, the, the getting into the minutia. The worst, I, I, f- I want to make more important, the worst fucking form of criticism about biopics and based on a true story stuff is it's not close enough to what really happened. Yeah. It is yeah. not yeah. a document of what really happened. Yeah. It is a it is a narrative scripted story yeah. based on what happened and your job as a writer or director or an actor or whatever is to interpret that story totally. and save the essence. I hate that people feel like they have to be slavish to, to the situation. Life is boring. Like we don't have dramatic well, arcs yeah. that all come into play perfectly and then wrap up. You know? Well, that's why, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I thought Steve Jobs was a perfect movie because I don't think that it was, but there was a lot about it that I really loved. And one of the things I loved about it was that Sorkin came at this thing and said, how do I tell this guy's story in a way that maybe hasn't been told before? Mm-hmm. And obviously did it through a very Sorkin-esque, you know, medium. But I do think that 
I, I respect that because the, the, he's done it three times now. And all true, three of true. these fucking movies are more interesting, interesting than yeah. the real story. Yeah, like totally. The Social yeah. Network is a great example because that whole, yeah. the mm-hmm. whole crux of that movie is Jesse Eisenberg being rejected by Rooney Mara at the beginning. And he, mm-hmm. it, you, I mean, that's not real. I don't mm-hmm. think it's not real. No, he has some okay. wife or whatever, some girlfriend, and now she's yeah. his wife. Um, but but th- that it, was yeah. very important because you wanted yeah. that end scene with him clicking on the refresh page to see if she'll accept his page request because that's yeah. satisfying as a viewer. And as somebody who enjoys movies, and I don't care that it didn't happen, yeah. you understand him as a character and as a person and what the impact of Facebook and, is. And I believe when everything is said and done as the writer in situations like this, they have to pick what happened that is the most important to the story, as opposed to, I need to make sure that every single thing is checked off the box. I'll be very curious because we have another movie written by this writer in 99, A who Walk on the, the Moon, mm-hmm. uh, Pamela Gray. Uh, is her name. Mm. Um, and she's, she's done, you know, she did an episode of Star Trek, the next generation. Uh, she did a walk in the moon, music of the heart, both in the same year. Then uh, she was on once and again, it seems for a wow. season. Then she was Love on that show. There you go. You know, good for her. Lady writers. But, no, just doing I, it for I'm not, I'm not, no, she's, she's done a lot. She's done a fair amount and of things. And, I, and my, my guess is this like 20 plus year filmography has about 300 projects that, the reason I'm going to be curious, I've seen bits and pieces of a walk on the moon. I'm not sure I've seen the entire thing through, but it's, it is a, um, it is an original story. It's just, you know, fictional. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see how she executes that versus maybe how slavish she was to Roberta's story in real life. Mm-hmm. I also wonder to your point, Kenny, in terms of the documentary angle, Wes Craven saw the documentary loved the documentary and then kind of backed himself into this project, which I think is interesting too, because if he, if he was too attached to the beats in the documentary, it could be why this feels a little bit lifeless. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Uh, So music of the heart opened on October 29th, 1999 in fifth place behind house on haunted Hill, uh, which was number one. Uh, made $3.6 million, went on to make $14.8 million on a $27 million budget. So it did not work. It Yikes. flopped. A lot of money lost on it. Music of the Heart has 63% on Rotten Tomatoes and 72% from audiences. Wow. It, it, would, have, it would have 15% today. Like, <laughs> yeah. There was a period of time where I think people felt like a movie like this, totally. you had to give a positive recommendation to... I'm going to disagree because I went through all those Rotten Tomatoes reviews and all of the positive ones just say Meryl was great in this. Oh, and that's fair. That it, was, it was interesting to me because mm. I feel like that's very much the thing that we joke about now when it comes to a Meryl performance. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, like the movie sucked, Meryl was great, and that's all that matters. And that right. seems to be back in 99 what the feeling was as well. That's really interesting. Right. I mean, Ebert's review, he gave it three, I believe yeah. he gave it three, three or four stars. stars. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read a very small bit of it, but he basically says, Meryl Streep is known for her mastery of accents. She may be the most versatile speaker in movies. Here you may think she has no accent unless you hear heard her real speaking voice. When you realize the speaking style is no less a particular achievement than Streep's other accents. This is not Streep's voice, but someone else's with a certain flat quality as if her later education and refinement came after a somewhat unsophisticated childhood. Again, like he's just, the critics fawn on Meryl Streep for good reason. Yeah. And, you know, all boats rise, it seems, under Meryl Streep. Well, she really gives it her all. She's not phoning this in. No, I, I don't feel she like she phones in anything. Mm-mm. I mean, well, oh, I think she thought she could have won an Oscar for this. <laughs> she <laughs> she, she came close. I'm not knocking she it. Got I, like, I, 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 
Wes, like, we also have to remember, like, Wes Craven was not just like some commercial director at the time. Like, he was hot as shit. Yep. Like, Scream was as important a 90s movie as any movie was. And he was absolutely, pro- like, he was absolutely about to primed for primed yeah. for making some really huge jump to like the upper echelon. Like so many right. people have yeah. like mm-hmm. Sam Raimi did. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of other people who came from horror, horror did so. Well, I mean, so he does scream to your point, does scream in, and then he gets a three picture deal with Miramax and he says two of them will be genre pieces, but one of them he wanted to be, you know, uh, some sort of, period something or other. He wanted it to be something that was going to be substantive or have something to say. So his period was like 1986. It seems that way. <laughs> uh, but but there is something interesting here. Uh, it's one other thing in, in, in Ebert's review. He says, the movie was directed by Wes Craven, known for his horror film Scream and I'm on Elm Street, and he may seem like a strange choice for this material. Not at all. He is in fact a cultured man who broke into movies doing horror and got stuck in the genre. He's been trying to fight his way free from studio typecasting for 20 years, and this movie shows that he can get Meryl Streep to Carnegie Hall just as easily as a phantom to the opera. I mean, Meryl got to Carnegie Hall very easily without his help. I didn't even understand that. <laughs> I liked watching the gears is, is turn. It's a syntax right now, that one? I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I think that what I do appreciate, I guess, on some level, is Ebert using what clout he has to try to sort of, you know, urge people to see a Wes Craven movie that does not seem like a Wes Craven movie. But also, like, it's not a good movie, so I'm not really sure. Wait, can I? I, yeah. I just don't think the directing was bad. I just think the writing was god-awful. Like, the directing was... It was fine. It was like, competent. What was he, what was he going to do? Was he going to do spin shots and continuous shots? And I actually thought cut that back and forth in time. The and- vibe of it is fine. I thought actually the scenes with the kids was was fine. You're not wrong to say. I'm not saying it was poorly directed. No, but necessarily, I'm wondering, like, but like, what? Like, is it? No, what it could was, he have done to make it better as a director? He could. He could have rewritten the script. When the words, <laughs> yeah. when the words which are he's bad. allowed to yeah. do. When the words are bad, it's um, hard to imagine someone of West. Craven's level at that point, not having any sort of I guess story. He input. could have. He yeah. could have been like, "This is boring, guys. Let's do this again." It's. I will say this: the one thing, it's too long. I think had this movie been shrunk by about fifteen or twenty minutes, yeah. oh, I think that it would have gone movie. a long way because it just, as you mentioned earlier, it repeats itself. Wait, can we also talk about how? Um, it, there's a 10 year time jump in the middle of it. Like we're well, just, we're just going along and well, then suddenly it's 10 years later and everything's totally fine. We, we could have used a montage. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> Nothing like a good old. With a violin, like concerto been, over top of it. Just like, I know, like I've been, I've been, um, I've, I've been, <sighs> I've been really tired recently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been, um, accused of leaning on montage in my writing in my life. But um, God, I don't like that fucking jump from, from 19, I guess 1986 to 96 or whatever it was where like yeah. literally they literally you start in the, in the eighties yeah. and things are, I don't know, not tough at all, but like she's teaching them for the first time. She's yeah. got some awesome poopy bangs. Some weird ass hair. And so, and one love skirt. It. Yeah. One yeah. skirt. Which is uh, apparently a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> And I have two skirts, big and, one. <laughs> you know, and uh, then I'm sure they're lovely. Then we jump forward ten years later, and it's the most successful program, yeah. like in the history of 
public education. And Meryl Streep, who's playing a, a late 30s woman, has gray hair coming out of her skull. Like she's yeah, yeah. freaking 10 years, really. Medusa. Hard, yeah. hard on her on her hair. She looks so like it's they aged her up like she's some sort of monster. Totally. I, I do think this just this kind of taps into another yeah, thing into this woods. movie has issues with. The editing of this movie is problematic. There's a lot of jarring cuts in it. One in particular I noticed, uh, and it's at an important moment in the movie. She goes to see uh, Angela Bassett to get the job. Angela Bassett says no dice. There's some weird no jarring fucking cut. They, and then I know, kids cut, are there. Cutting to the and dice like, and having her pulled I thought, away. I thought it was weird. <laughs> I, was like, what are you doing? I thought it was weird. But she's like, no, you can't have the job. I'm sorry. And then Meryl, her kids basically materialize. It's a very strange cut. It's and like, then yeah, she's like, it's weird to cut uh, back the these kids room. are really good violinists. And so are you. You should have the job. It, it just, it, it's, Wait, there's a lot of that. In there's this also movie. such a great, I'm doing my dance again. Yeah, there's there's no, such a dancing. great moment when she's like, um, oh, I'm, you know, because, you know, she's single mother, doesn't have a job. Her reasons for not having a job, I thought were really great, but we don't need to get into that. She's, she gets this job working in East Harlem. The cab ride oh my God. into oh East my Harlem God. when there's like, uh. she literally crosses under some sort of train tracks yeah. into East Harlem and there's like honking and like street music. And <laughs> People talking hey, just like that. Yeah. Watch it, buddy. And then the cab driver whips around and is like, welcome to East Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> and then you cut to like the exterior of the school and it's the actual like literal yeah. address. I'm like, he just said yeah. we are in East Harlem and now we need like some sort of like specific yeah. we are on this street in this part of New York City. It just made no sense I'm, to me. I'm from New York. I have never heard the term East Harlem. Really? <laughs> Interesting. Yes. I mean, it's a place. Harlem's Harlem. Harlem's Harlem. <laughs> right? But it, it's almost as if they said that because like, welcome That's to Harlem would have been too racist. No, like, East I'm Harlem so conf- is probably the name of the public school. Is it? So maybe. they wanted to hammer that. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's maybe. what it is. But no one says, like, it would be like saying like, it would literally be like saying like, welcome to East Santa Monica. Like it, it just means nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's no, that. welcome to you, Solemn. <laughs> he literally line. says it like that. It's, it's it's pretty. It's, and she's so like know. scandalized because there's music and somebody like he almost hits somebody. You think she would the appreciate the music, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. that was the, her, it. Was the music of a different part of the body? That's the problem. I also really wanted to know why she wanted to play, like what the violin meant. I mean, I'm getting rid- yeah. nitty gritty, but like, no, why I, did I, she pick the? It, sound, it just seems so random to me. I'm like, here's. A woman who's obsessed with this very specific instrument. Why does she have so many violins? Because she bought them all in Greece. Because she's. A I know. I wonder. Was, how'd she ship them back? Was yeah. it a discount? What is going on? Like why? Because I guess in she... Greece, violins are real cheap. Are oh, cheap? I have violins. This movie is ridiculous. I know. You know what my I'm... favorite part of the part of the movie was though, <laughs> where I like honestly, where I was like, this might be a good movie. The opening oh. scene. The montage. I, well, I love talking, it. You're no, no, no. The, you're, the, photos? You're talk, you're the talk, photo montage. You guys are talking about the credits. That's true. Oh, okay. I'm talking about a scene in the movie. Okay. What was the first scene again? She, she, she's at her mother's house. Yeah. And she's kind of like really frazzled. Yeah. Like frayed edges. Like she's she's moving all her shit in. The violins fall apart. Like she's yelling at someone on the street. Like she's not that nice to her kids. I'm like, wait a sec. Yeah. Like we're, we might have some layers here. And they throw it all away. <laughs> throw it away. Well, because that's oh. the only moment where, again, not to hit this too hard, but like she's actually struggling. Yeah. Like you can actually see a woman who, or person who is just struggling under the circumstances. And then that goes away. I mean, Cloris Leachman, always great, totally underused and underutilized in this Plays movie. Her mom. Plays her mom. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's. It, I also kind of want to talk about something else, which I feel is sort of apropos of what we were talking about earlier with some Mr. Holland's opus and dangerous minds and what have you, which is the white savior problem. 
that's that exists a little bit in this movie too. I would say it exists a lot in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I would say they try and make it not the case. Yeah, I would. Do you think so? Let's talk about it. We didn't have a lot of scenes, which I would expect from a movie like this, of her like other than literally her entrance into. East Harlem, (laughs) uh, where she's just like shocked by everything she sees. She's constantly like in over her head, and this is a foreign world. Like she acclimates pretty quickly. I agree with that. Like is kind of like okay, I'm teaching these kids now, and you're going to learn the violin, and this is how it's going to go. And I think the most important part, like pretty early on in the movie, there's that uh, there's an episode where a kid wants to leave the violin class. And she goes to talk to the mom and is like, why doesn't, this is very Sister Act 2, again, a better movie. I've um, never she, seen Sister Act 2. So. Oh, oh, Jesus. I'm so, <laughs> I saw the first one. It's just joy. It's just All right, joyful. I'll watch it. Okay. I'll watch it. So she takes this kid and she meets this kid in the in the playground and she finds his mom. She's like, oh, why doesn't, whatever his name is, doesn't want to be in violin anymore. Can't you talk to him? And she's like, I don't need some white woman coming in here and teaching him uh, a bunch of dead men's white music. Good point. I mean, solid point. She's like, he needs to be learning stuff that he can actually use so he can actually get a job or he can actually go somewhere. Music isn't going to do that, which is a common thing to talk about in this kind of a movie where like the arts are Mm -hmm. underfunded or getting cut or whatever. And you have to try and save it because arts are important, which I agree with. Um, So I thought that was, yeah, as as an artist, (laughs) in a school that really focused on sports. Like I grew up in a school that did all sports and the arts were totally like, well, you guys can do like half a play a year. Um, But so I, yeah. I just thought that was a really interesting moment because right up front, she says to that mother, like, I'm not here to try and save your, I'm not here to like save your kid or whatever. I'm just a single mom and I needed a job. So I feel like they kind of, that was their attempt to try and. I agree with that. I mean, that I think. in a capsule and be like, we're not going to do that. When yeah. I think the Dangerous Minds is a, is a, is a, is a much worse example yeah. of what we're talking about in terms of the whole Doesn't white savior Michelle complex. Michelle sit backwards in a chair and she's like, listen, guys. Yeah. All right. So I prefer I prefer Dangerous Minds to this movie. Yeah. Because right. sure. Yeah. Because, it, be, because issue, it, it throws it all there on the like yeah. Dangerous Minds. Don't get me wrong. Like Dangerous Minds fucking sucks, but it's fun <laughs> yeah. and it's like silly. Sure. Yeah. And like it's it like I know what I'm getting into that that movie and like that movie's not trying to win an Oscar. No. Yeah. The, the Blind Side I think is like significantly more offensive than this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like in terms of like yeah. the white savior thing. Sure. Yes. And how um, lauded it. You know, she won an Academy. Yeah. Yeah, that's on like yeah. that movie was like out to an Oscars and but yeah. this movie uh, my counterpoint to to you Corinne is this movie's thesis is stated near the end of it that Roberta and that's the character's name uh Roberta, <laughs> Roberta had a, had a had a vision and the vision was that she could teach any child violin. So what am I supposed to take from that? You parse yeah. that a little bit. Like these are these the the idea is essentially kids from Harlem East Harlem are in some way, <laughs> in some way, subhuman, or in some way, some mm. other kind of yeah, creature, or lesser or than, less like like yeah. any child. This is a like it's but, a, it's yeah. absurd. The only the only way to look at this is through the white savior lens. But I'll and that, counter that point with another point where the mean school <laughs> teacher. So she goes to Angela Bassett, who's the principal. Real good performance too with her. Um, and there's Always this good. other mean white worst character ever, maybe written for the screen in any form. He's like a teacher who doesn't believe in the arts. And he's just like, oh, yeah, arts okay. are stupid. <laughs> you can't basic, basically. <laughs> and he says basically that these kids don't even, they, they don't have the, like these kids are stupid and they don't have the attention span to get past do re mi. I think that's what he says. And she basically says to him like, um, no, like anybody can learn the violin. 
So I think they do set that up pretty early. I don't think it's effective because that character is a really just a cartoon buffoon who walks around the halls and is like, get her out of here. But that's that's the whole point. point. Yeah, yeah, I I get that the enlightened white woman thinks that any, we think that anyone can learn the violin, but the assumption in the movie is you guys might not think anyone can learn the violin, (laughs) but here's this teacher who's going to set you guys straight, you you fucking racists. And that's that's what all of these white savior movies presuppose is like, you guys, I know you're kind of racist out there in America. Let me set you straight. Yeah. There so, is a very patronizing quality to it. It does all, talk down to its audience. All of these movies. Yeah. I mean, the blind side, look, the, the, yeah. the blind side's like, quote unquote, heart. It thinks its heart is in the right place, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The blind side is like, wait a sec, guys. Black people are just like white people if you get to know them. Uh-huh. That, but, but yeah. the way they, first of all, everything about that, the, 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 the presumption that we're all a bunch of racists in our heart is really fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the presumption that it takes a white person to go and like, yeah. s- to solve this problem is yeah. really fucked up. Another yeah. reason why Sister Act 2 is so great. Because it's Whoopi Goldberg who comes in and saves the school. I was gonna. Say, I, I was just. Maggie in, Smith can't get it done. I, <laughs> I, I mean, you make a good point, but but I know well, you're partially kidding. There, but there's, there some, is, there, there's some God in that that I'm not totally into. But okay. <laughs> there's a but lot I do of think God. there's. I do there's think there's some. There is an argument sort of to be made of that of them flipping it to uh-huh. a certain extent with with Whoopi. I don't know. I, I mean, I I agree with you 100, percent and I think that this movie is. I mean, this movie is basically a dull spoon. Like, there's just nothing really edgy to this movie. There's nothing. Can't very- even stab someone with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, it's because I, I honestly yeah. don't even feel like it's. I agree with what Ma- what Ma- what uh, Corinne is saying in terms of the fact that the movie tries to dodge some of these landmines relatively successfully. It's just such an innocuous movie. It's going out of its I mean, way not I hate to say anything. To give yeah. credit, because like. It it is more PC for a 1999 movie mm-hmm. about this subject, which I agree with Kenny inherently just has like landmines and you all can't yeah. possibly yeah. dodge yeah. them all. But it just, it, I don't know. To me, it tries very, very awkwardly throughout the movie to like step aside from this. And I think like Corinne, everything you said is right. Mm-hmm. I think the way that even they show like the violence in some of these kids' homes, they like drop it in and mm-hmm. then they immediately brush past it. Yeah. Like yeah. it, like we're doing our thing because yes, like kids in Harlem must have all of these problems going on. And yeah. then, but it feels more like awkwardness as opposed yeah. to like, like they the, just don't know totally. how to yeah. handle and, it. And the other thing that I don't really understand is like I, the, what would make, make it a little bit better along with a lot of more conflict is the idea of like, why do these kids want to learn? Like, why do they ever want to pick up this instrument? I don't ever understand why. I don't never explain. And there's no like, not that you need the whoop again. I keep talking about Sister Act too, but not that you need her to start talk like singing some sort of hip song, and then they're all playing, you know, Coolio on their violins, whatever is hip in 1999. I don't remember. And sync, sync. Like you kind of, you kind of, you kind of want that scene where they're all playing and sync, just to kind of like show you that the violin is versatile and it can it can speak to you, and it no, it agree. isn't just a dead white man's yeah. instrument. It you've can be you've your already instrument. you've already made the movie much better. It's a simple I agree. fix, though. It, it's a re- small it is, fix. and it, it does that is exactly one of those things you're like maybe that never really happened 
Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, that does help it's a, a little movie. bit. Because I'm like, a movie. oh, they, make it a movie. They like because the, the the if the thesis of that black woman mother is you, we don't need to learn a bunch of dead white man's music. Be like, let's explore that. Like, yeah. what is? But I just her love of the violin, their love of the violin. The fact this program becomes so popular that you have a wait list or a lottery system to get into it. It's just insanity. I'm like, it's the violin. Right, so it does feel. But can I just say one quick yeah. thing? Sorry, Kenny, I didn't mean to cut you oh. off. Um, I, I will say that there's. To Mel's point, they they dodge all of these landmines, and in an attempt to not offend, they don't say anything. Like, yeah. they just basically make, uh, you know what I mean? A, a, I don't want to say a spineless movie, but that's kind of what it is. Like, it just doesn't feel like it really has much to say when when the cards are down. Like, Dangerous Minds, obviously a more problematic movie in terms of the the racial elements, but kind of has something to say. All right, so there's there's a bigger kind of point here and why these movies don't or shouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, and yeah. and it's it's because for like the longest time, and like honestly, I like I I I say this as a privileged white person who writes on a majority black show. So like I am grappling this with I'm grappling with this on a, a on a regular basis. But like these just aren't our by our, I mean white people, basically. These aren't our stories to tell, yeah. right? And for so long, just like we we were having a conversation before about Kramer versus Kramer off mic, but basically the, the crux of the conversation is the seminal movie about divorce should not be from the father's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, in general, for the great majority of America's history, it was the mother who was adversely affected by divorce. And to have the... But but it, but because of the patriarchy and because of the structure of Hollywood, that was the movie that resonated with the people in the Academy, and that's why that won the Academy Awards. For the longest time in this country, white people were the ones making all the decisions when it came to what movies got made. Now, a lot of liberal white people have a lot of interest in poor people, underprivileged people, you know, liberal activism. I think everyone at this table, and we're not all white people, by the way, but I think everyone at this table feels that way. But um, more or less, like that's it was th- always through that lens. Yeah. The white person takes a trip into a into a neighborhood they're not from, tells you about it from their privileged place, goes back to their safer home, um, and fixes it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that's fucked up. That those were like the, the kind of movies that that generally got made by studios. Mm-hmm. Now you'd have movies from this time period that weren't made by studios, like Boys in the Hood, that had a lot, you know, mm-hmm. a lot more interesting things to say because one, they were told from the perspective of people who actually lived in, and two, I don't understand. I, I didn't have the same perspective. Mm-hmm. But that is essentially why this movie, you know, in and of itself, as much as it tries to quote unquote not offend. Mm-hmm. It's so offensive, offensive. yeah, by not offend, and not really offensive, like yeah. to me, so much in a in, in it's offensive to me, like kind of in a global way, mm-hmm. and I can also sympathize with its point of view, like wanting to tell these stories, but like that's just it's it's just not our story to tell and anymore. There is now that I'm thinking about it, there is something a little bit icky about kind of equating her being a single mom, white lady, to being like in Harlem. You know, like I feel like they're trying to thread the needle. That her like, story she, is similar to yeah, their story. like they're kind of all in the same boat because she does like live in Harlem, but she buys like a beautiful brownstone. An unbelievable brownstone. <laughs> I kept being like, I get that like you're- Wait, That's then renovated is, by Yeah, is that criminals? house that she's yeah. renovating, that's how she's still living in 10 years later. Yeah. But it's yeah, like yeah. beautiful now. They figured it okay. out. Yeah. But that's confusing too. Now I mean, that, now, right now, that's a $2 million 
brownstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably more. Probably like, more. Oh my God. But yeah. this is also, and not to, not to change the subject. Cause I do think everything you're saying is true. And I absolutely agree with you. I just also feel like the brownstone myth thing made me think of just like the timeline stuff is also really kind of muddled. I don't really understand where we are in the timeline. A lot of this film, like it's actually quite confusing, which Again, to your point earlier when I was saying the synopsis, this movie's a straight line. There's no reason why it should be confused, and yet somehow it's jumping around in time and not explaining itself in weird ways. Like it'll get like surprisingly detailed in one way mm-hmm. and then not in another. And you're just like, wait, but I actually do need that information. Right. It's it's just a very it's a very strange movie. Um, it's it's actually my favorite version of these kinds of movies are, are the Steve Jobs where they take like one episode right. of one person's life and you can right. get the whole story out of one thing. So if they just yeah. focused yeah. on Carnegie Hall and that was the whole story, you could figure out this whole movie. I totally. I, I think that if had you done it that way, had that been quote unquote present day, and then you backfilled other stuff with either flashbacks or whatever the again like. We're making the movie better just by adding any sort of real thought to it, it seems. Right. But like I think there's a way that that could have been your timeline of Carnegie Hall being yeah. the, you know, your your what have you. But I'm I'm not convinced this is ever a good movie. I, I'm just truly I'm <laughs> no, just not right. I'm, I'm not point, convinced like the, the story. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, just it's the story fair. at its core. Like yeah. I think that resonates with a certain uh, you know, like Upper West Side, New York Times reading uh, audience in nineteen ninety nine mm-hmm. or whatever. But um, I think we would look back at this kind of story no matter what and say, like, the, the way this story was told has almost no redeeming values. Whereas at least, like, a Dangerous Minds is so fucking crazy and silly that I could kind of just enjoy living in that ridiculous world for a little bit. And it gave us Gangster's Paradise. Well, Correct. That was Coolio. And, and, was, and Michelle Coolio. Pfeiffer in the, in the backwards chair. In a leather, leather jacket. jacket. A leather jacket. Sure. And she fucking goes all out in that She's the best. She's the yeah, best. Yeah, I mean, you, you do kind of want it to either be, like, comically ridiculous Correct. or extremely well done and thoughtful. And this is neither. This is in either camp. And and I just, I refuse to believe like there is, I'll, I'll make one more point. There is a way to tell this kind of story. That's not completely irredeemable. And that's simply the white person doesn't fucking figure it all out. Yeah. Right. Like Angela Bassett is always great. Yeah. Is literally in her office. Almost every, movie. almost yeah. every scene she's in telling Meryl Streep, like this is the, this is the way it is. This yeah. is ex- this is some exposition for you. Yeah. 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 So she does have like, the one thing that I think that she does nicely is like Meryl Streep keeps running to her being like, nobody's playing the violin or I need more money or whatever her problems are, which are very few and far between. And Angela Bassett's like, I'm literally dealing with knife fights and this kid stealing money from his parents. Like, there's yeah, real yeah. shit Your going on. Your fucking violins are Your just like- problems are not my priority. <laughs> yeah. she, there's a, that's a great scene. It's and you're true. like, okay, so she's not going to help her. Also a thesis for why we shouldn't care that much about the movie. But. Yeah, but also this movie from Angela Bassett's perspective is already so much better. Yeah. 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 Um, so here's just some context, I guess, in ter- a little bit of the development of the movie. Uh, Madonna was originally oh, yeah. cast in this, this lead role. This is so weird. Um, and then pulled out for whatever reason. Uh, they went to Sandra Bullock. They went to Meg Ryan. Then they went to Meryl Streep, and obviously she decided to do it. I Can don't you imagine a world where like Meg Ryan was asked before Meryl Streep to do something. I will say though, like Madonna no. before Meryl. Madonna no. before Meryl. I can kind of, I can kind of. The Madonna that. thing makes sense, I guess, just in terms of the, like the pop star side of it. It just in terms of she's going to do a song, and but you kind you of know. want her to be the person who's playing and sync on the violin if it's Madonna. Well, just yeah. just to your point, I would feel like well, we we couldn't get well Madonna dropped out. We couldn't get Sandy. We couldn't get Meg. Mm. 
let's go for Meryl. Fuck it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure she could do this. <laughs> Fuck That's it. Amazing. Yeah. Is Catherine Hepburn kind of- available? <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine, Meryl. I mean, I, I don't know what this movie is with Madonna in the lead role. It's interesting. It might be... I don't know if it's a more... Here's the thing. Like, I, I keep in my brain separating Meryl's performance from the film because it feels like it's so... It's Meryl. It's very lived in. It feels, mm-hmm. you know, she's really yeah, bringing an real. element of gravity to a underwritten and an odd role. But then I think, like, does the the wattage of the star wattage of Madonna and and her sort of her persona inject something into this movie? And by that I mean just like excitement. Like I don't know, and I will obviously never know. I love Meryl Streep, but she's a very staid actress. Like she's a, you know what I mean? Like she's this this consummate. This movie needed some sort of a pulse, and I'm not sure that yeah. she could bring a pulse to it. I don't if that know makes if Madonna's sense. Madonna's a good enough I don't know either. I'm just. I think I'm it really just, just comes off really, really sappy with somebody with like who doesn't have the. I think the best part about this movie was her nuance. It would have been. It would have been. A, it would have been a joke movie. It would have just been like really. It might have been a parody. Yeah, like swept away. Like swept away is like a, yeah. a forever joke. Yeah, yeah. and it would have been like that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. probably true. So Meryl takes the role. Uh, she learns to play the violin. She mm-hmm. practiced six hours a day for four weeks. It kind of breaks my heart. I know. That's what I mean. I think she thought she was going to win an Oscar. I think yeah, she just I think she just liked just acting. I was just going to say, I think she just brings it. it yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a better point. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> but she probably just really was like, Maybe no, I have to learn the violin. Wanted to learn how to play, would, and yeah. this was an excuse. Do you think she could pick it up right now and and probably play some? Probably. I don't think it's like riding a bike. I played the violin for four and a half years. Wow. I do not think it's way to bury the lead. Seriously. Why did you bring your violin? I really, get an expert really on the show. I can't afford a violin right now. I'm not Meryl who can just pick 50 up in yeah. Greece. You know, yeah, you just take a plane ride to Greece. Yeah. You're just giving them away. Yeah. 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 I just buy get one, get 49. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't allowed to be in my violin class. Yeah, you had to take like a music test and I failed. Oh, yeah. And all my friends were in music. It was really bad. This is like the opposite of music of the heart. This is already a better story. Learn the violin. I I was not allowed to. And then later in life, I had a music teacher who told me I had the ear to learn. Why did I never learn violin? And I was like, I was told I was bad at it. He said, You. Robbed. That is terrible. Yeah. Oh my God. So Think of the life narrow. you could have lived. There's an arc there. I, I, yeah. I, I saw the story. Yeah. Aren't we more entertained? Are you oh. not entertained? So much. Speaking Seriously. of which, Gladiator 2. Two. Don't, it's a bad idea. Isn't he dead? Yeah. All right. It's his son or something like that. Oh. Um, although, if just inside baseball, whatever, Nick Cave wrote a Gladiator 2 script many, many moons ago, which I will send to you, and it is. Fucking insane! That sounds fun. It's great. It's like him in the afterlife, and he like goes through all. Uh, He's a singer and songwriter. Nick Cave in the bad seats doesn't matter. Anyway, cool. (laughs) Um, So I guess we should let's talk about the the fucking plot of this movie a little bit because we should. There's some stuff, guys. There's some stuff. stuff. There are only two ways that Phil starts this section of the show. It's like, so should we get into the plot or let's talk about the fucking plot? <laughs> I, I refuse because, to let this movie like bring us. No, no, no. I, I don't, there is some good yeah, stuff in here. I got I'm not, some I'm stuff. Guys I got are going to laugh stuff. and cry. I don't. I, it's it's. The, I mean, you I, know what movie you're in. We have to get in. to the tears. We have to get to the you tears. You know what movie you're in from the credit sequence. You're in sappy music, CG photos. Like you're like, okay, buckle up. That's what this movie's going to so be. So Wes Craven's like, you know what my favorite movie ever is? The Big Chill. So we should make this like the Big Chill. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, but not. <laughs> but, but let's not do any of that. But then stuff. not do that. So we meet 
Meryl, she's just been... Should have dropped the lid to my... That's fine. This is a really bad title sequence. It's brutal. It's really, it's really, really brutal. Um, but it was like of the time, right? I thought, was it? I thought it was of like... I, I thought that whole first... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. That whole stuff in the 80s actually felt to me like it was made in like the late 80s. Yep. Like it oh, felt yeah. very like, like yeah, schmal- that's right, schmaltzy. Like small like all the techniques all the techniques felt kind of dated. The yeah. the decor, the, the the production design felt kind of dated. Yeah. Um and I maybe that's a good thing for a period, but like for me it just felt like that's not really how you do period. You you I thought it was a little strange. I mean, it's it's filmed by or it's, it's shot by Peter Deming, who's a really amazing DP. He's he shoots a lot of um David Lynch's work actually. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's not that I don't think the movie's poorly shot, but it does have this odd kind of to your point, like period quality that I just don't know how intentional yeah. it was. You know what's interesting, uh, actually, if you think about Notting Hill uh, again, sure, that opening sequence is pretty similar because you see Julia Roberts and you kind of see her career, and then and then you cut to Hugh Grant. It's it's a montage of the song yeah. and, and all that. It's the same idea. This one is done poorly. That one is done yeah. well because it's like it's establishing yeah. something. This is just kind of well. It it also sad. establishes the treacly quality that this film has yeah. really kind of throughout. It's bizarre. It's really bizarre. Who's it's singing the bizarre. song? Is it Gloria? It's Elvis it's, Costello. Wait, in this? I'm in kidding. This, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's happening? Like, wait, she. What? It, yeah. she. It's, it's, I, I don't know what you get in the, um, this like opening credits thing that you couldn't get f- from her showing up in the first scene and being like, so just got divorced. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, there's something cool about like, you see the whole, there, there, it's like pictures of her and her husband. And then the final picture is her and her husband and their couple friends. And then she rips picture in half and it's like oh there's something with the friends that happened but it can't it can't do the heavy lifting that's necessary which is that it needs it's what it's <laughs> attempting to do is have us invest in her and her marriage and her kids right. through the course of these photos but that doesn't it just doesn't work because the music is so sappy the photos are so clearly computer generated that you're just not invested and then the scene happens where she's gut punched by divorce and he's left her and all that sort of stuff and you just feel completely out to sea like you just don't feel as though you're invested in what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You know who did this once though? That actually nailed this idea? Mm-hmm. Up. Sure. Up oh, actually. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, is it, but isn't it a, just to think like it's in, my, masterful. in my head, like this is such a cheesy, shitty, stupid mm-hmm. device, yeah. but it works and up. Yeah. 
It works oh. like a charm. And they didn't, oh, yeah. they didn't have to do that during the credits. They could actually put that in the movie. It was so good and up. Because the credits of yeah. I mean, Kenny loves a montage. Yeah. Not this I, montage. I do though. love a montage. <laughs> I, I do one. as well. I also I love mean, a, I also love voiceover. So, you yeah, know, I know. <laughs> fucking Robert McKee can, <laughs> can eat it as far as I'm concerned. Wait, do you have a favorite opening like montage? Is it up? Oh, favorite opening montage? Or any like what's your favorite montage? Oh, I haven't That's thought tough. much about it, but I mean I really want to know. It's, it's probably hard. it's probably sports montage. Okay. Like we're like we're coming back, mm-hmm. like major league. Oh, like, and it's like we're all gonna run up yeah. and down the Rocky montage. Whatever those like, things are called, stands. I know sports guys. That <laughs> <laughs> was, you know, stands. Know. Like the yeah. the the major league montage when they okay. get their shit together right. really does it for me. Okay. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something I never thought we'd talk about on the Music of the Heart episode <laughs> is montage. the montage from Major League. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so Aiden Quinn shows up as this guy Brian Turner, and I have another one for you. Okay, I'm listening. Summer school. Don't know it. Oh, the the Mark Harmon movie, which is one of my favorite movies. It's a good movie. When they actually start like, pr- like they, they start like getting all their shit together. Yeah, you yeah. know, like they're actually those be are the like, best kind of montages. Yeah. yeah, the ones where you're just like, oh, we're getting in the groove. Yeah, and like things are, this it's all movie, happening. Yeah, you're right. You need a montage where they're bad at violin, and then it's like, no, wait, they're like learning do re mi, but yeah. they're going. That's what needs to happen together. before the ten you years know, later. What I said was like the yada 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 ten years. Yeah, but like. They didn't yada yada yada. Yada 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 is the montage. <laughs> yeah. You know? They just cut. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate. Anyway. Uh so Roberta is uh lands a job uh gift wrapping at a department store. Aiden Quinn shows up, flirts up a storm with her. He's a little smarmy he's in the so beginning. He's right? He's a little gross, right? He's a smarmy actor. I'm not convinced I'd ever seen him in a movie before. I've never, seen, I've never seen Practical Magic. Don't hate yeah. me. What about Avalon? You ever see the honestly, Barry Levinson? That was honestly, the, that was, he's really good looking in that movie. at his filmography, like I have seen Avalon. I didn't remember that he was in it. So He's one of the I brothers. The it's him and Kevin Pollock. Of like, I've seen this guy, don't remember have why. Have you seen Practical Magic? Or, yeah, and I didn't remember Because he's him. the worst part. Like she, He's the main love interest. Because Goran Visnich is the, he's the, the Nicole Kidman love interest, right? The guy from oh, the ER. guy, the yeah. guy who dies. Yeah. Spoiler. Um, okay, we're going to spoil Practical Magic on this music of the heart. Um, yeah, he just is just very bland and has no chemistry with. It. I don't think he had chemistry with Meryl. I don't think he has chemistry with Sandy. Uh, I don't think uh, Aiden Quinn has great chemistry with Meryl here. Does he have gravitas? Like that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, <laughs> he doesn't have like what? Like, like, like because I've always the thing is like Aiden Quinn is like one of those actors whose name I've always known, uh-huh. despite literally having never really seen him in a movie. Uh-huh. Like, and you need to have some gravitas to be Meryl Streep's fucking boyfriend yeah. or love yeah. interest in a movie. Even if you're not a name. Like, I like, the guy at the end, I'm like, okay, that guy, sure, I get it. Maybe at this point in a career, whatever. But like, <laughs> does Aiden Quinn like mean something to people? No. 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 I, no. Good. Really. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I, will say, I will say that he's best. I think his performance, the scene when he... I guess they don't break up or whatever, but the scene where she basically tries to like nudge him into yeah. the direction of commitment. He's good in that scene because it feels, that. he's just like, yeah, that's weirdly well that's, written. Right. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, I don't, uh, he actually is really good in that scene, but, and he actually has this quality about him that, or as is the character, I guess of just doesn't want to be pinned down, but he doesn't seem gross about it in a weird way. Like when they have sex the next morning and he's like, 
hey, I got a thing. It's going to be fine. You can stay here and you'll be back that in three months. That was the most it was insane. Weird. When did we he get, get that there. call? It was like <laughs> 7 a.m. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about like, that. He was lying through his teeth. It was weird. Or, it was weird. I, it was so strange. I, yeah. It made me just want Clint Eastwood. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, Bridges? Yeah, Bridges. Oh, he's great in Bridges. Because he's the photojournalist and he's always yeah. on the go. And yeah. like, she's trying, it's the same kind yeah. of dynamic and he's really great. And you That know, movie's like, this fucking fantastic. I yeah. love that movie. Me love too. I don't care. I don't, I don't care, care for who people knows who it. Like that movie's fantastic. Everyone yeah. loves it now. Really? It's a great movie. Yeah, I do. It's I think, not like a punchline? I thought no. It was at the time because the book was a bit of a punchline at the time. Yes, right? yeah. it's kind of got this, it's a weird kind of parallel, but it's kind of got this Gone Girl thing where like mm. people, it was mm-hmm. such a big book. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone was like, this movie's going to be kind of stupid. And right. the movie was like Legit really good, good but still people yeah. were a little embarrassed by how like much they loved it. Yeah. Like Gone right. Girl should have fucking been nominated for Best Picture, yeah. clearly to me. <laughs> and like Bridges, Madison County kind of had the bad yeah. thing where people were like, wait a sec, is this really good? Yeah. Maybe maybe the book was really good and I didn't right. realize yeah. it. And that's kind of yeah, yeah. I saw it late. Like I saw it. I don't know five years ago. Well, Bridges was a book that was very short. If I remember correctly, it was almost embarrassingly short. It was like seventy pages. But it was a like, massive, oh, it's a gigantic thing. success. Yeah, every housewife in America. Seventy pages. I honestly think it was that short. Like a novella. I honestly think. It, I mean, I, we. Could, I'll look it up. But um, point being, I'll look it up. Uh, point you you finish your point, Phil. Thank I you. I love how we're so upset by but, this. But, but point, point being, the, the book had this this quality of uh, it had a disposable quality. Every housewife, it seemed like in America, had read this cheap kind of or house husband or house husband. Sorry, but I think that if, my mother loved this, and she was a working woman. So I, and I, I say that just it just it felt like the Come book on, that Phil. everyone had read, even if they were a little embarrassed, they had read it, I guess is sort of what I'm getting at. Okay. And then it was turned into a legit movie because, you know, Richard Lee Gravenets, I I think is a great screenwriter, adapted it in a way that gave it all of this like nuance that mm-hmm. maybe wasn't there on the page. It's a heartbreaking um, movie. It's a heartbreaking movie. Clint was also a recent Best Director winner. Right. He was, yep. they are both fucking fantastic but that, but in that movie. Th- the point is that character is kind of the same as Clint in that movie. And that's just a better yes. actor, better written, better. I also will say too that, and and this might seem like a stretch, but bear with me for a second here. Uh, so I've been watching the Nancy Myers movies because of Blank Check. 208 pages uh, oh, okay. on the on the paperback. So that's still, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty, short. pretty light. On a paperback, that's nothing. It's a yeah. light So. Grade. What I was going to say is watching the Nancy Myers movies recently for Blank Check and uh, watched Someone's Got to Give recently, uh, which I didn't love, no. but I respected the idea that Nancy Myers went all in on the idea of two people in the autumn of their lives, we'll say. You didn't love it on the rewatch. I'd never seen it. Oh, okay. Uh, and, I, you know, it, it, takes, it takes a lot in current Hollywood to get that movie made is mm-hmm. sort of what I'm getting at. Is that the one where Diane Keaton wears a lot of white? Yeah, Turtle everyone X. wears a lot of white in that movie. She wears turtle X the whole movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Until she stops wearing turtles. They're all cream and like white. Yeah, and then there's the scene with the scissors where he cuts the turtleneck off. Of her. Oh, yeah. It's oh, weird. God. I was too young for that movie. <laughs> but my point, the reason I bring this up, just to get quickly back to, to Bridges of Madison County, is that that movie so beautifully does two people that have, you know, Fearing that they've let their their lives slip away and actually finding romance and true love at a later stage. I'm going to watch life. this like tonight. I yeah. can't wait. It's fucking wait, great. Really? No, I've seen it before. You like it? I love it. You really? don't like Bridges? I'm going to go watch this. Oh, also, I thought we're talking about something. No, no, no. I was no, just no. saying that I was comparing. I, the oh, okay. I love this. I love this 
this the story you're talking about right now, it's in, incredibly undertold. But that yeah. like late in life romance yes. yeah. to me is so sweet. My grandmother yeah. had a late in life romance oh. um, after my grandfather died, and she was with the guy for ten years, and oh it was such a you know from like probably like sixty five to seventy five, mm-hmm. yeah. and their courtship yeah. and their relationship. Write that movie. It was so beautiful, right. Right. and right. it also yeah. changed her as a person. Yeah, it was as if like, oh, and I don't want to get too into my family history, but like, it, it really like it, it. She blossomed like sixty five, and it really is a. It, it's a beautiful thing when that can happen mm-hmm. when two people find find each other at any point in their lives. Yeah. I do. I know yeah. fucking Meryl Streep was probably forty six when she made that movie, but still, <laughs> yeah. like, there is something to be forty. You know, forty six in Hollywood's like. And it's just, it's yeah. so rare that this, that that movie gets to be made. Yeah. So for, you know, for Clint Eastwood, also an atypical Clint Eastwood movie to make, like that's not a movie that you would think Clint Eastwood would make mm-hmm. and make with such a, a, a light touch. But anyway, really great movie. Um, can't believe we got here from Aiden Quinn and Meryl Streep and Music so of the Heart. Cr- it's yeah. so crazy but- we got to Bridges of Madison County <laughs> from Music of the Heart. I never would have seen that but, coming. But it, but it works. <laughs> it works, I guess. Uh, We're so they go- to talk about movies that we actually like. <laughs> that's, that's true, too. Uh, Brian and Roberta go on a lunch date. He tells her about this job teaching violin at a school. She goes there. We have our East Harlem sequence. Uh and, oh, because the yeah. school's kind of alternative is the idea. Which you get yeah. no sense of. None no. whatsoever. Especially because they want to cut the arts program. Yeah, they don't so how alternative there, can they really so. be? I totally forgot about that. That makes me mad. It's like that. Well, I mean, when you say like there's a school in Harlem that wants a violin teacher. That's, oh, they did kind of explain that, but poorly, but okay, yeah. sure. Kind of the movie in a nutshell. I will say that like I had no idea what this movie was about going in. Like ab- really, absolutely nothing. Had I knew there were violins. Seen this movie? No, I hadn't seen it. <laughs> you have. Yeah. Instinct. That's I right. didn't remember yeah. anything about it up until they were leaving to go to Carnegie Hall, and that's when it clicked. Oh, in I thought it was me. a movie about Gloria wow. Estefan and Meryl Streep and Angela Bassett being girlfriends, oh, kind of like that Waiting to Exhale movie. movie. I thought it was going to be like that, like, and then yeah. Waiting to Exhale. Oh my god! I wish but with it was Meryl, movie. and then. Um, um, and then they all play the violin and they're friends. So I was on a rip-roaring ride for the first 20 minutes of this movie <laughs> when it's like getting divorced and you're like, cool, this is a female drama about a woman like redefining herself middle age and meeting a new man. And then suddenly she's in a cab going to East Harlem and I'm like, whoa. Is the, the movie you're describing, isn't that kind of what like Practical Magic is, but with magic instead of violin? Um, Are they sisters? Not dissimilar. Yeah, they're but, witches. But they do sisters. some dancing yeah. and they do some, dancing. Some well, ritual magic. stuff. Yeah, there's Here's there's what I rituals. love. I was with your pitch until they were like, and then they all start playing the violin. <laughs> I was just like, now it's not a thing. Then they become Ladies. Dixie Chicks. <laughs> Ladies playing the violin. I was I there mean, for that sure. movie. I'm so into, by the way, like these old classical violinists calling it fiddle fest. Oh my God. Like, yeah, that's that was, great. Yeah. You, you guys are adorable. <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought it was like a movie about a woman getting divorced. And I thought it was about her being a gift wrap person. I'm like, that's kind of weird and cool. And then all of a sudden she's teaching. I'm like, this is. Memoirs of a gift wrap person. Yeah, <laughs> right? So, that, oh, that's a sad, like introspective movie I want to make. So uh, Meryl gets the job as we, as we spoke of earlier. Brian shows up just materializes in her bedroom with a bottle of champagne (laughs) and is like, congratulations. And he kind of courts her in this room. He sort of has to, it seems like he really has to really work hard. It's her apartment, right? At that point. Yes. There are his apartment. 
because he co- she comes to stay with him in the city for a, for a beat. You're right. You're yeah. absolutely it's, right. Yes. She's sleeping it on is a his. Couch. It is yeah. his own bedroom. There are approximately 350 million people in America. <laughs> for how many of these 350 million people would you say Aiden Quinn materializing in your room with a bottle of champagne <laughs> would constitute some kind of fantasy? Maybe five. Ten, ten million. I th- million. <laughs> Between five and ten million. I agree. I think there are ten million people would be like, this is a good deal. That's amazing. That was I thought you were gonna five or ten Ten people. Contact on so many zeros. Fifty million people. That's a good I was basically thinking I think you're right. Is the number zero or above zero? Ten million. I don't, I mean, <laughs> Look it up. It's ten million. Not in New York or LA. In the middle, yeah. maybe. Are we He's talking about now dude. or are we talking about then? Both. I mean, now I don't know what he looks like. He's on elementary. I don't know. He's We're basically talking then, but you know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he puts the moves on her. They have sex. The next morning, he tells That was a little redundant. Sorry. <laughs> he puts the moves on her. They well, have she's, sex. She's still- <laughs> sometimes she's, she's, I'm just saying, sometimes she's it doesn't work out. She's still waiting for her husband to come back. And she's like, yeah, that her husband left her for another woman. And she spends yeah. 10 minutes. It's really movie. sad. It's really, really moving. And he's like coming on to her and she's like, I'm still married. And he says, well, what's your husband doing right now? And she looks like somebody just shot her in the face. And then, and then they she's have like, sex. let's do this. And they have some sex. So they have some sex. The next morning he tells her he got a grant. He got a phone call and he got a grant. And he's, he's heading to Texas. To do what? I don't even know. I don't remember what his oh, grant he, was. He's kind of like a he's kind of like a, a do-gooder documentarian. I was he's a do-gooder. I was more sense. disturbed do-gooder. by Meryl and her kids <laughs> living in this dude's house yeah, that weird. she barely sees. Oh, I wasn't for it. I'm like, it's really expensive. <laughs> Chris, you were in for a surprise amount way of this movie. Of I didn't Quinn. know where this movie was going. <laughs> I was still was on board so, with the single mother story. Yeah, I respect that. I, I get it. You did do a zero to 99 for this, right? Did yeah. You both? Yeah. 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 Oh, I yeah. Did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we go back to class and Roberta helps Guadalupe, uh, a student with braces on her legs. Mm-hmm work through her standing strong and not give up on the violin oh, as she's yeah. as she's just pushing other kids over. Yeah. She's literally yeah. going yeah. to them and be like, stand strong, push. And well, then they all fall. A point I wanted to make about like what <laughs> Meryl Streep's like version of like, you all should play in sync to get yeah. like the reason that the kids like her. And this is all back. This is all backloaded, you know, later is because she's kind of tough. Like, yep. th- like that's like the, like the thing is like, but she's not kind of tough. Like that's not what she gives me as a teacher. She's just, she tells them that they're awful and that their music will make the other people throw up. And they think that's funny. That's all I got out of that. Yeah. So, yeah. They, so they don't actually like, t- it's, it's, they don't take no, that seriously. They don't No, They think it's kind of silly. She means it seriously. Like it's like the whole thing is so screwed up. Like I said, I don't know. But My opinion it was like, I just thought it was like, she, it's her exasperation of just being like, you guys suck. And then being so thrown by like a teacher speaking to them that way. And then she kind of just leans into it. It's not very, it's not nearly. It's just very, it's very uh, ambiguous. They're just, again, they don't really, 
stick to anything. They don't make any choices in this movie. It's they a just very, kind yeah, of, it's a very hard yeah. idea to sell. I'm not saying it's impossible to sell, but it's a very hard idea to sell that a, a teacher authority figure in some way, in any way can yeah. say to a child, you suck yeah. and have it not be abuse. <laughs> it can, they it can happen. It too. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that they there's love a it. Way to, there's a way yeah. to do it, to have like her being smirking in a way and the kids re- mm-hmm. responding in a certain way. I think that might be what they're going for. Mm-hmm. And they almost kind of get there to be honest, but like, it's such a and, and but the juice just isn't worth the squeeze. I like that. Yeah, this movie is that in a nutshell. I think Are that's we, from a movie. Oh, really? The juice isn't worth the juice. It's something it about sounds the juice. Like something. Yeah, I like it, like Sandlot or something. You can also say there's no there there. That well, that's wow. that's that's true of this movie too. Uh, then Roberta meets Isabella Vasquez, played by Gloria Estefan, who has five lines in this movie. If I think that, that's generous. Girlfriend cannot. She just kind of, she also they, has no role in this movie. Well, that's what I mean. She just, she, she's not even yeah. in it. She's in it to say, yeah. and Gloria Stefan. Yeah. 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 Uh, her first role ever. And last, was it? I don't know about that. <laughs> Corinne just ended she her ended career. Did you hear that? And last. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of Gloria on the editing room floor of this that movie. That might be about true. That? Because, yeah. yeah. Uh, Roberta's son starts asking questions about their his parents divorce and this, this, again, this scene felt really unnecessary to me. There's a lot of padding in this movie of I, I just, th- that scene in particular, Wait, that's, what, that's five. What scene are we talking it's about? just a scene where her son is like sad about their, about their divorce. And he's just like, well, where'd dad go? And she's like, he's not here anymore. And it, it just, just, it doesn't actually, it doesn't add anything. To them. It doesn't matter. Uh, she pretty much has never played another role in a movie. Gloria. She's played herself. Oh, she has. Okay. But, like she was in Marley and Me, apparently. But she was. Um, I didn't. Mm. I remember in that. And she played. She was in Glee, I guess, in, in some later seasons that, that I didn't watch. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, so, there is a really good. Well, not good. This is a very. That's a big word for what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. Um, when the husband calls and he's like, "Oh, I broke up with my that girlfriend," and she oh, yeah. takes the phone into the bedroom, and then Wes Craven stays on the sun, and you just hear her conversation. About how, oh, okay, it's over, so you can come home. And, and the husband's basically like, I want a divorce, and the kid's just kind of listening. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that was nice. And then, and then, um, and then she goes to her mom the next day and is like, I'm gonna quit and move back with my mom because I can't do this because yeah. now I'm getting divorced. And I'm like, honestly, I would have done that because I'm such a quitter. I would have been like, That was a pretty good scene with the life mom. Life is too hard. Where they, her and yeah. Clarissa, Clar- Clar- yeah, I like do, that. That was a good scene. Islands, but a, a nice little, yeah, no, it was a good scene. I was like, oh, we're gonna turn back into that movie. And it yeah. Didn't so then one of the students, Becky, narks on Roberta to her mom yeah. about how she's being too mean. And then she's nice to it's them. immediately resolved. And then the kids are like, the- we don't like you when you're nice. And Becky's like, yeah, I don't either. And then that's her the mentality. Scene. It's just, again, it's bizarre. It's yeah. bizarre. It's, it's, this movie is a collection of that scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of scenes similar to that, where something happens at the beginning and then it's resolved by the end. It's yeah. very strange. Yeah. Uh, then Roberta hires some ex-cons to renovate her apartment. I still don't really understand how because or why. she can't afford the fancy contractors. Okay. So she hires uh, like the neighborhood people. About Seriously. Uh, I didn't need to know where about her house and who's remodeling it. They're trying to show her care. her struggle and like she's like the people of her neighborhood, even though she's got this. I, that's what I thought. And not to be I like, thought it was effective. Not but, to be like too much of a stereotyper, but like, guys, every fucking construction crew has ex-cons on it. 
Like that's like that's like a that's a good place to get employment after you've. But what's terrible about this movie is that it tells you that they're all really bad, and she has to fire all of them because they're all stealing. Why they're stealing and sleeping? Right. Like, why did we need to do this? I. It's because of the scene where she fires all of them. So you see her. But that's not. That's like that's like twenty minutes from now. Oh Jesus! Really? Yeah. It's it's, it's just it doesn't. So anyway, then her son is that in movie time or podcast time? Movie, movie time. Uh, we're going to breeze through this. Then Nick gets in, which her son gets into a fight at school. And for a second there, you're like, oh, something might come of this. And then nothing comes of it. Um, he's just upset about the divorce or something. Roberta asks Brian to move into their new house. He gets all witchy about commitment. She reads that as a sign. They kind of just go their separate ways. He basically says, uh, I would cheat on you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He said hypothetically, I would. Yeah. Because yeah. all needs need. Like, I, I don't yeah, think needs, a one. Yeah. Have to be met. Yeah. yeah. Meeting my needs. Which then, like it's like to the point that does make him a kind of a likable character. Yeah. He's straight up with her. He's like, I'm, I'm not the guy. I'm yeah. not the kind of guy who's ever going to really settle down. We can yeah. have something. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, but it's I'm not going to be what around. you want. Yeah. I respect. I respect but, that about the writing and about the character. But then after that scene, she still stays with him, and then it's the scene in the house when they're doing the renos, and she starts. Um. And all she realizes all the convicts are ruining her brownstone. So she goes, "You're fired. You're fired." And then she turns to Brian. She's like, you're fire too. And he's like, what? Like, what does that even yeah. mean? And then that's her like kicking him out. <laughs> he's like, what does that even but mean? But then the son gets pissed because he's like, yeah. oh, you drove the father away, which I thought was really nice. Yeah. That seems yeah. great. That's, that's scene, the that, best that's, scene of the movie. That's heartbreaking. Because that scene, like Meryl fucking kills that scene. And that kid is really well written. Like kids are usually the very- The kid's great, but she's also fight. She's doing something. Who's yeah. That, who's that kid? That kid's like a- The kid was, he was in Almost Famous. Oregon, he played the young- Oregonado. Yeah. Angorana. Oh, Angorana, yeah. He was great. He's always yeah. good. God. He's really great. Um, so that I, scene is the standout scene in this whole movie, I think. That's yeah, a, that's the best part that's, of the movie, yeah. That should be her Oscar clip. And there's something really brilliant they do in that, which is have her on the ground and have him stay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is really, um, See, Wes Craven, I'm telling you. That's, well, I feel like that, <laughs> I do, I feel like that scene like really, really was like, Wes Craven was like, all right, so maybe they can just look at this scene yeah. and I'll get the next movie off this scene. Yeah. Because yeah. I can do, I, I can do this. <laughs> this could be my but, sizzle reel. Yes. <laughs> he never did, it's, it's so weird. He just, he didn't do anything like it even close to he it again. To, he went back to our, I will look that up. Yeah, we just, yeah, that's a movie I want to watch. Like, so this is when the film comes to a natural conclusion, where um, <laughs> they do a recital and everything is working out, and then it says ten years later decides to do another hour of this movie. It's like The Crown. Uh oh. Be no. careful. No, I'm, one, oh. I'm not knocking it. I'm just. Oh, you mean it's The oh, Crown? It's, yes. Oh, you you end the season yeah. and then you come back ten years yeah, later. Yeah. You yeah. end the season yeah. and then you come that's back true. ten years yeah, later. It's true. So we come back 10 years later and now it's really hard to get into Roberta's class. Now Roberta's class is the, 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 the creme de la creme. Uh, Kieran Culkin is now one of her sons. <laughs> um, so in his second 1999 movie, second, Kieran Culkin. Second of three we'll be doing. Oh, what's the third one? I'll tell you in a sec. Okay. Uh, Jane Leaves shows up, as we said, as a photographer with a husband in the music industry. Daphne on Frasier. Daphne, otherwise Daphne, known as Daphne yes. from Frasier. Honestly, How doesn't have a lot her. of range. No. No. Thought she was real bad in this. Had, had a know. weird accent that's not her accent. No. Nope. I think, isn't that her accent It's normal? weird. Because Daphne- Frasier, it was so much more melodious. In Frasier, that's not her real accent. That's like, oh. she does like a Liverpool-ish or something like that. So she's better at it's an so accent much nicer that's not her, own. her own. Yeah, her own accent is very, <laughs> her voice I don't know better. what that's to say. Kind of yeah, Colin Farrell-ish, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Fact. Um, Satterhouse Rules. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's a great movie. Don't no, sigh. it's not. Don't we, we never talk about that movie. 
We as a society. There's a reason. Yeah. No, we as a podcast oh, and a society. And a society. Yeah, as a society, but we as a pod- it was an Oscar nominated movie. Michael Caine oh. won, and we never bring it up. I mean, we're gonna, we're obviously gonna do it, and I actually am looking forward to the episode when we do it because I think we can talk about why that film has kind of doesn't exist. It's an interesting movie. Um, it does deal with some pretty heady issues too, but sidesteps all sorts of anyway. Uh, you got to wonder why Jane Leaves was cast in this movie. Because she was on Frasier. Yeah, why not? She was trying to be an actor. Got to cast someone. Yeah, it's more like, yeah. She's probably not? like, oh, I'm going to be That's movies post Frasier. And then she did this and they were like, ooh. <laughs> oh, honey. So no. then there's this whole Justin situation in Roberta's class, which is not handled particularly adroitly, <laughs> where no. there's like this contentious relationship between these two kids. Ramon. Ramon and Justin. And then... Justin's killed in a drive-by shooting off camera. Took me so long to remember like who Justin was. It wasn't that long ago. I know. That's <laughs> but it just it's again a symptom of why is this movie going there if it's not going to go there? Like it doesn't it doesn't really make real hay out of out of the situation, doesn't have anything to say about it really. She shows up at, at Ramon's house the next day after Justin dies, and Meryl says, like, it's not your fault. Sort of, and Ramon like, told him to drop dead, which is like one mm-hmm. of the you know it's a, that's the insult kids are always throwing around the playground. Yeah. Sure. Drop yeah. dead, drop dead. So he thought he somehow caused it. Yeah, and he wasn't emoting in class; like he was just being very whatever about it. And so yeah. she goes to his house, and she's like, you know, it's okay to cry, and he starts crying. I will say something which actually kind of taps into what we were talking about um, when we did our Sixth Sense episode, which is that it takes a certain level of actor to be able to work with kids and act with kids in scenes Mm -hmm. to that give and take that's required. And Meryl's great with every one of the kids in every scene she's in. Now the the kid might not always, obviously the kids are going to be Haley Joel Osment, but that's really important. This movie doesn't work if she doesn't find that, you know, give and take. And she's like, this scene with Ramon is a really nice scene. I love Ramon. He was my favorite kid. <laughs> wow. I love how, yeah. how enthusiastic he was like to yeah. get, to win the lottery, to be in the class. I agree. Like, why? I agree. He I was know. a good kid. He was cute. I agree. Yeah. yeah he had like, he had a no, why personality. Why did he want to be in the, why did he yeah, want to be in no, the class? Well, this is the other thing. I only played violin at all because I was literally forced to. Yeah. So there's no joy in it. Yeah. If you don't love it or you find something in it. But that this you really kid liked love. it. I don't like the idea of it. He yeah. hasn't been in the class yet. It does work though. Real quick on Craven's filmography. Yes, yeah, yeah, please. Um Scream, Scream Two, the guy's biggest biggest thing. Yeah. Music of the Heart. Then he makes Scream Three. Probably had to. Mm-hmm. Um a movie called Cursed I've never heard of. Oh, that's the werewolf movie that Kevin Williamson wrote. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg, Christina Ricci. Was wow. Not, was Christina not a good Ricci, movie. Eisenberg. He the, was the, he's the werewolf. In the same year, he makes Red Eye. Anyone see that? Yeah. I yeah. like Red Eye. Yeah. I like Red, Red Eye. Eye. Pretty good movie. Red Eye's yeah. a good, good movie. movie. Yeah. Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Then he made My Soul to Take, which I think is a I don't know forgettable horror movie. And then he made one of the great movies of all time, Scream 4. And then that was the end of Wes Craven. Yeah, because he unfortunately passed away. Yes. So <clears> he really, the, the, the closest thing he got to another chance to make a movie like this was Red Eye mm-hmm. and those might have been the movies that he might have knocked out of the park I totally yeah, agree yeah, with you I agree. You know? more Hitchcocky and kind yeah. of yeah. things Smarter like that smarter thrillers yeah. he could have yeah. That, yeah, that's really interesting yeah Red Eye's a, a, a legit like taut great little yeah. thriller 
Um, Taught. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a great word. Your fellow Canadians. <laughs> what, like, Sorry. <laughs> uh, Roberta's sons try to set her up with a bunch of ads in uh, the newspaper. Wait, you didn't say who her other son I am going to say right okay. now. This was maybe the best part of our viewing experience from Music of the Heart. Did you realize who the older son was? No. Abe from Mad Men. Um, Peggy's boyfriend in yes. seasons five and six. Oh my God. That kid, the violin kid or the cello kid? Yeah. yeah. Cello kid. I bet he really plays the cello. He, he must. I bet he does. It blew but, both of our minds when, when we first good saw for him. Yeah. Wow. God, that's a big, yeah. you know. Also so. hilarious that that kid's like act of teenage rebellion was I'm not going to play the violin. I'm going to play the, the cello. cello. <laughs> Fuck you, mom. I'm going to play yeah. a big violin. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, and Kieran Culkin's like, I'm going to play the piano. Yeah. It's like, but kids. <laughs> she must yeah. have been so disappointed. You're she still uh, nerds. The scene where she's like telling him to practice, you could tell that was a thing. That was a thing. Like he chose to play the cello and she'll never yeah. forgive him. Let's watch that movie. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so her son set her up on a date. She meets a new guy. Um, he's nice. She kind of blows him off. And then she's like, mm, you're a reporter. Can you help me get a venue? He helps her get the venue. Wait, what's interesting about that is in the female story well, arc is that it's about how she now no longer, like her kids are now at the point where like, they're like, you need to date because you don't date. And she, it's so far from her mind now and it's so not a priority. And that's a yeah. big change from her from the beginning of the movie. So I feel like this is an important part where she goes and she meets kind of the perfect guy mm-hmm. and he's really great and he's really sweet and they have a really nice time, but she still is like, nah, I'm good. Those are well-written interactions. I, I agree yeah. with that. Really well-written interactions. Yeah. Re- well no, it's a really fun, and it's it's a really nice moment for her to be like, wow, thank God, because she was so like clingy and sad at the beginning, and now she's just like, I don't even need a guy. There is, I will say, there is shading in the romantic relationships, be it with Aiden Quinn or with the actor whose name I'm, I unfortunately don't know, uh, that does give this to your point. There is some nuance there that I don't think I... Gave credit for when I was watching it. Makes me wonder if uh, Walk on the Moon is going to be a better movie. That's what I'm thinking. Because too. we're thinking, I, I did come into this thinking that all the domestic stuff was kind of superfluous nonsense. Yeah. yeah. And it is the stuff that was working. Way That's more, the only stuff yeah. I cared about. And you, then all the totally. stuff I didn't I think shit. she, and by she, I mean the writer, got shoehorned into a story about sort of about the bureaucracy of the education system yeah. that she didn't really And she tell. was like, let me try and make this a personal story, something yeah. I can relate to. So mm-hmm. that's why it's fighting itself. It's both that female that story sense. and then the like inspirational kid story. And both of them don't ever get to a point of being fully actualized. I, I totally agree. But at least we've, well, at least we've cracked it a little bit now. Yeah. yeah. No. That does, that makes sense to me. I, I've heard that a walk on the moon, people really like a walk on the moon. We have a guest for it too, which is very excited to do it. So, um, so she, Roberta gets fired from a lack of funding. Then they have to get funding. Jane leaves, uses her, her husband is That's able to get- the first point of conflict when they're like lack of funding. Yeah. We're at our- wait, Oh my God, we're at one, maybe 140 at this point. Like, and I don't even the first know. thing of drama of like, oh no, we're going to cut the program. Which, but again, you never for a second believe there's any threat to this whatsoever. Jane leaves is your you know, deus ex machina who just swoops in with Itzhak Perlman and says like, it's all going to be fine. You're going to Carnegie Hall. Um, and then they go to Carnegie Hall. And it's a nice scene. And that, but the thing, the problem with that Carnegie Hall scene, like we talked about, is that 
there's no stakes to that scene because it's not like that needs to go really well for them to get the money. Like people paid tickets to go see them at Carnival Hall. Yeah. They have the money. That's yeah. just sauce on top of it. But yeah. we have to watch this whole thing. And without con and then there's like a point in that concert where they start playing like some like real like jazzy or folksy or something different kind of music that they haven't been playing through that. Like the, the fiddler whole guy. Yeah, yeah, there's a fiddling part. I'm like, well, that's, it is fiddle fast, guys. It's fiddle like, fast. Yeah. I'm just, I'm like, that's an interesting. <laughs> why didn't we ever? I just, why didn't we ever learn about the music and what what the why choices we were? It was just all yeah. like, if people think that classical music is boring, they're going to walk away being like, it's really boring. Now that I've seen this <laughs> stupid movie, and it's it's <laughs> like there's so nothing about it that I find yeah. interesting. And there's something kind of inter- like funny, <laughs> interesting to me that like they did literally pull like the five most famous violinists yeah. at the time to be in that scene. Yeah. But when you have a, a kind of fringy art, and that's what this is when you talk about it in terms of uh, mainstream pop culture recognition, it's mm-hmm. easy to pull the randos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, like it's it, it's easy to like put together a murderer's row of randos. Like again, should I work on right now? It's dance. We can kind of get whatever we want because right. there aren't a lot of dance shows out there. Right. So like we do, uh, it's easy to pull like the big dancers. Like we had Savion Glover last season. That's like, awesome. But like, what else is he going to do? <laughs> no, I don't mean that as a knock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who else, but who else is calling movies, for like, yeah. who else is calling yeah. for like a save? So like yeah. when someone calls, it's a problem. And like, you're a really important part of this movie. Potentially. Yeah. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll do sure, it. I'll do it. I also would have liked to know who he was. Cause I don't know who he is. I'm like, why? Maybe okay. that's a New York thing. The only thing I knew is that he was a big deal and he would help get people to buy tickets. I he's kind of, he's kind of he? well-known in New York for whatever okay. reason. I know him because Schindler's List. I was just going to say, Schindler's List is why I know him. Well, I'm also very ignorant, so. Well, I, don't, I didn't yeah, say that. Not, no one said that. No, no, no. I mean, no, no like in terms of classic, that. like modern, no, modern classical music, I, I Oh, I don't know able, shit about the I know violin. Yo, 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 the I, know. I know Joshua Bell because he's like, he's like the cute one. Wow. And he's like you younger than and he plays like. Yeah. Is it because you played? Do you have a connection to it? So. Did I miss out on that? That was like a long time ago. I feel <laughs> like I hear Joshua Bell because I think like a lot of moms like him. Okay. And I'm basically <laughs> and a 45 like a year mother, old woman. Yeah. So, <laughs> what do you guys think about diving into Meryl for a little bit before we wrap this up? Wait, can we talk about okay. one thing that was really fantastic? Sure. They, they, whatever, Hall, the Carnegie Hall, yeah. Ends of movie. Then you get those little like, Roberta went on to do such and such. Mm-hmm. Roberta went on to adopt a daughter from El Salvador yeah. and now lives with her in her. Elsa in their East Harlem apartment. That's a movie that yeah, I want to see. Yeah, why did they just tack she, that on as a why footnote? Did she, why did she adopt this girl? What's that story? What happened to her sons? Was there some sort of rift where she was like, I need a girl in my... Like, what is that story? They just threw that on at the end of yeah. the movie. I was like, that's yeah. so much more interesting than anything Real. I just watched. Um, all right, so we're going to do something close to our favorite performances of Meryl Streep. Um, I don't have them in any particular order, so I'm just going to... This is just eight performances of hers that I like. I'm just going to say them. Do it. I like Doubt. Kramer vs. Kramer. Adaptation. Devil Wars Prada. Death Becomes Her. Silkwood. And Angels in America. Yep. They're all there. <laughs> I, um, I mean, Bridges of Madison County. For me. Oh, yeah. fuck. I forgot that. Mm-hmm. You can't. Shit. Just yeah, add more. No, no, no. I'm not, but that, I mean, here's the thing. For our listeners... Melissa sat down in front of the mic before we were doing this and said, are we doing our top five Meryl performances? And we were all like, oh shit, we should do that. And then we looked at them all and we were like, there's so many. She's the greatest. How do you really even do this? And here we She's are. So yeah, I mean, like, it's like it's almost impossible to, to contextualize this performance within the scope of her career because like 
you know. She's never had a down period. Mm-hmm. She's never had to come back. There's never been any narrative about her except for prolonged excellence mm-hmm. and the ability to choose whatever performance she wants to choose and mm-hmm. variety, range. Like she's she's really uninteresting as a as a celebrity. Yeah. The only interesting she ever interesting thing yeah. she ever did as a celebrity was winning that Golden Globe for lifetime for for lifetime achievement yes. and talking shit about Trump. Right. And outside of that, like she has just yeah. been the best actor of the last 35, 40 years. Yeah. And that's it. So yeah. like there isn't that much to say about her. You can only really I think it might be smarter just to list your five favorite movies that she was in. She also right? has like, she's just so good in all of them. She's got twenty one Academy Award nominations. Yeah, this is impossible. She also I won mean, an Academy Award for a not good movie. Oh, you were talking yeah. about uh, Iron Lady. Iron Lady, Iron Lady yeah. which is like an amazing feat. <laughs> a movie, a movie that people didn't even yeah, think totally was good at the time. Whereas, yeah. like, Blindside sucks, but like people thought that was good at the time. Yeah, like yeah. Iron Lady. Like people were like, this movie's boring as shit. And who did she beat? She beat someone who should have. She who, beat. Uh, Viola Davis. She beat Viola Davis for, for uh, the, the, hell, the hell, which, which again hell. would have would have been another one of those kind of like that's not the best Viola Davis. Role. I mean, that's the role did, that Viola Davis said she wished she hadn't done. So, oh really? Yeah. Yes. that's interesting. So. Do you think she's gonna? Do you think that Widows is gonna make uh, an impact this year, guys? I have no idea. Thoughts? I really don't know. I've Steve heard McQueen, Gillian Flynn. I know. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm But I'm interested. also just like, I don't know. Can we also have one other little conversation? Sure. You both said viola. Is that what it is? I think it's, is it viola or viola? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> we're sorry. Uh, we're sorry. We'll I don't know where to know. place the emphasis. Yeah. You want to come on the pod. But it's, <laughs> the other thing you got to remember too, nominated for One True Thing. Yeah. Not a good yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, that movie. I mean, it's it's crazy the stuff that, you know, she's nominated for Flora's Foster Jenkins. She's nominated yeah. for Postcards from the Edge, like huh? Or August Osage County, which I, I love. didn't even remember she was. You really? On. Yeah, okay. she's love. the, the okay. matriarch. It's just it's it is interesting to look at. It almost does feel like Meryl puts in a performance. There's a there's a 50-50 shot she's getting nominated yeah. for best. Yeah, for no something. matter the movie. I mean, yeah. I think it's great that she got nominated for Devil Wears Products. I think that's one of her best roles. Best. I agree. And yeah. and also I think. I don't know if I was talking to you about this, but I don't know who else could have done that performance. The only other person that comes to mind is Kate Blanchett. But like, I don't know. I don't that know that it would have like that role was like culture shifting. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. And I, I think Kate Blanchett would have done a great job. Yeah. But it like, I don't thing. think. Yeah, I don't think people would have been quoting it as much as they yeah. do. Yeah. All it had the time. to be Meryl. Yeah. Like Even now just, in twenty eighteen. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think that's the yeah. role that kind of. So for a person, I just said she has no narrative. The narrative was sustained excellence and then icon status. Yes. And then box and that, office. Box office too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, that did kind of give her that icon. Like now Meryl is Oprah and she, she probably wasn't is. before that. Yeah. So that's. That I mean, Julie and Julia, I don't love that movie. No, I don't either. But I get why. She was nominated she was for that, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to quickly go through her last. <laughs> do it. I'm going to go through her last. I don't know. We'll see how long we could do this. But the movie she was <laughs> nominated versus not nominated for. Okay. So the last year, last year she was nominated for The Post. Yes. Nominated, Which she's great in. Yep. Nominated for Florist, Florence Foster Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, suffragette. Never heard of it. Oh, uh, she was yeah. in it. Yeah, I think for five very, seconds. Yeah. Very small. Yeah. Okay. Ricky yeah. and the Flash. Not nominated for. Oh, you know what? She's great in that movie. <laughs> you saw Ricky and the Flash? <laughs> I was on a plane. 
Oh, okay. That's was Ricky yeah. in the Flash? That was the Nancy Di- Diablo, 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 Diablo Cody, yeah. uh, Jonathan Demi. Weird. Really great play movie, guys. Really good. That sounds right. There's value. <laughs> Into the Woods. Yeah. Yep. Was she nominated? Mm-hmm. Yep. Holy she smokes. Well, she sings. Uh, <laughs> Meryl sings. Give her yeah, the award. It's the, true. The Giver not nominated. No. Oh. The Homesman, never heard of. Don't know what that is. August Osage County, nominated. nominated. Hope Springs, kind of a weird non-nomination. I really yeah. like that movie a lot. Wait, the, the Tommy Lee Jones, what? Steve Carell yeah, thing? Yeah. And and like therapy movie. movie. Wait, we just had a conversation about how great it is to have movies made where it's an older... No, I know. I just never saw that one. Oh, I thought you'd like seen it one. you didn't like no, it. No, no, no. Oh, I really enjoyed it. It's I'm sure, really I'm, maybe upsetting. Maybe it was nice. Okay. Iron Lady won the Oscar. Crazy. It's complicated, not nominated. That's kind of crazy when you think about it. Yep, that's the kind of movie she... That's the type of... I, I don't... I'm not saying she should have been nominated, but like Diane no, Keaton was nominated for, the, for you think about the Academy and just like that movie is way too. And I love Nancy Myers. Too soft, you think? That movie is way too like zany and just that may be true. Like in another yeah. category, yeah. That movie is zany. Julie and Julia nominated. Yes. Doubt nominated. Yes. Mama Mia not nominated. Probably fucking won the Golden Globe. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. Best, <laughs> but in retrospect, sure. Yeah. I mean, just I and I think that is I think that is more or less where it stopped. Where she just got nominated every. Year. I mean, she was nominated for Devil Wears Prada the year before. She was yep. nominated for. Was she nominated for Prime? No, no. The the ne- the, no, no. Uh, adaptation was her the previous nomination. After adaptation. That. Oh, so we so in this run, yeah, we skipped over my favorite Meryl Streep performance, "Stuck on You." She's in that. She is in. It is so brilliant. Greg Kinnear wants me after the whole movie, and he has this dream of doing this Bonnie and Clyde musical, mm-hmm. and he has this dream of doing this Bonnie and Clyde musical where he plays Clyde and Meryl Streep plays Bonnie, and she actually does it in the end, and she is so funny on this live stage musical. Now um, I need to watch the end of Stuck You do. On you. It's wonderful. Um, but yeah, that's basically my list. It's, Stuck it's, on you. The thing about her too is that mm-hmm. I understand the love people have for her earlier work, but it feels like a generational divide a little bit. Do you, you know mean what I mean? Like, like Deer Hunter? Deer Hunter. And uh, um, oh my God. Uh, she, God damn it. I'm Sophie's trying, Choice. Trying to Kramer Sophie's Choice. Manhattan. Kramer. French uh, Lieutenant's right? To yeah. That yeah that she one. doesn't do much in Manhattan, but. She's still great. Yeah. Still she's beautiful. still great. She's yes. yeah. It's yeah. just so I understand that the 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 love that people have for for her earlier her earlier work, um, but Did it does count? feel a little bit like like I think she's great in Silkwood. I think Out of Africa is a little bit boring if I'm being mm-hmm. honest, but she's good in it. Again, it just feels like a different Meryl if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Like it feels yeah. like there was this moment, and I guess maybe for me it's just sort of I I think you know postcards from the edge. Love Death that movie. becomes her. She devil. She devil. She devil. Like that's I don't know. It, it, she had like a comedy. Know. She bit. did. She had yeah. like this moment, and then I actually think the River Wild is a good movie. Oh, I love it is the, a good movie. That is a great and movie, and she's good in it. Like yeah. Meryl's an action star in that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's kind of cool. Like I don't and know. Then she does Bridges Maddox. And my my yeah. favorite movie she's ever been in is not adaptation. Mm. It's Defending Your Life. Great movie. Oh no, it's, and she's no, great in it. Don't like that one. <laughs> you don't like that movie? We watched it within the year. So have I. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, what do you not like about that movie? I didn't um, find it very interesting. <laughs> it's, can I ask you a question? We'll have to do a bonus, we'll we'll do do a bonus on, on, on this well, movie. Do you okay. like Albert Brooks's movies? Yes, I do. Really? And I was on a, I was on a whole What do you like stint. more than that? Yeah, that's interesting because um, that's like, that's... The one, the, the one, you know, that he's famous for. <laughs> Defending your life. Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Drive. The one he's famous for? <laughs> the one where he's wearing a suit. 
What? The one where he's wearing whatever. I can't think. Oh, you mean like uh, you mean like uh, Lost in America? Yes, Lost in America. That's, That's not about. better than this movie. I like that movie a lot more. I, there's something about like the fact that he's dead. I don't know. They're in this like whimsical afterlife, and it just it felt so boring to me. It's, I will say the though, stakes that, are like, so high. It's literally going to heaven versus having your life end. But can I just say something? Uh-huh. And I don't mean this to sound bad, but like you don't love high concept stuff. Explain. Like it's a very high concept movie of yeah, this but I idea like, I of like magical realism and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of made for. I guess me. that's and true. I, love I guess that's true. No, fair enough. We, I've not. We, seen we really will have to do another. Yeah, yeah, we have to, I, I have to watch I, it again to really truly gather my one thoughts. of my ten favorite movies ever made. Really? Oh yeah. Wow, and not the net. <laughs> I loved that you went back. You went back for more. Wow. Um, Which I also rewatched, and we should do a totally separate. That we should do, because I want to hear Kenny go if to town we on the do, net. If we do a uh, net defending your life, like uh, like like our like yeah. our buddy Mike, yeah. Michael Natale. Yes. I believe is how you yeah, say I his name. I, their 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 podcast, um, You Missed Out, is basically one guy tries to convince another guy that a movie's great, uh-huh. and the other guy tries to convince the first guy that another movie's great. Yeah. Okay. They, and um, we should do that. Yeah, we should, I know, steal, we should steal their concept, do the net, and do the and net, net in your life. I, I would. Well, I'd listen. That sounds fantastic. I could defend that movie till I'm blue in the face. I also think we have to do some of the movies you really detest. The Departed being at the top, of, of course. That list. Just a bonus episode of Kenny just ranting about The Departed for an <laughs> and hour. And another thing. And another. <laughs> <laughs> we just basically. Um, would be. So yeah. zero to ninety nine for music of the heart. Oh yeah. Let's just do this. Uh, Pre-podcast, I gave this movie a 50. Phil! Have you seen it before? I've not seen it before. This was pre-podcast. This is before you've seen it. No, no, no. This was before before we we talked. After I watched the movie before we started talking. I... I'm a little, I know. I, I think that <laughs> there was, I know. I'm, so, I'm trying so, I'm to so do the math for you. in my head. And I, 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 that's I, such a mean way for me to put this. Thank you for your honesty. Um, <clears throat> I gave this movie a 50 because I thought that Meryl was very good in it. And I thought that for the most part, its heart was in the right place. And I thought there was some nice romance character stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't think that the movie was offensive. I just thought like it was a little bit inept at times. Mm-hmm. Post podcast, I'm giving it a 42. I can't recommend this movie, but I still think that it has enough pieces in it. It's not an, an unmitigated disaster. I don't think that it's, I just think it's the worst thing I can say about it is that it's boring. Okay. Hmm. Who wants to go next? Corinne. Um, I'd say pre podcast, it was like a 47 because I was thinking about, like the 90s woman movie about a woman like leaving her husband and trying to have her own voice and figuring out who she is and then making a real impact on the world. Like I, I, I liked all that stuff. I I didn't think it was all executed. I didn't think it landed very well. I didn't walk away from it being like, wow, that's a really inspiration, you know, whatever. But I, I stood behind all that stuff. So I'm like, that was a cool of the moment movie. You wouldn't make a movie right now where the woman is so dependent on a man and then has to slowly learn to live without him. Now it would be, she's career obsessed and, maybe lets a little love into her life, but can't do it because she's so career You know, I, I kind of liked seeing the, the original version of that. Post-podcast, like everything you said, Kenny, about just like why this movie should never have been made rings true. 1999 was a different time, so I don't know if that would affect it, but I think that rings really true. And generally the feeling is just like bad. And I feel like this is a 28. Wow. wow. Yeah. From 40, what I say, nine? Yeah, you, that's, I, I mean, I, sorry, I, I sorry, was probably Wes. a little bit, I was a little kinder, but yeah. 
I, I, I have all the same issues, and my, my, my numbers should probably be lower if I'm being and honest. And don't go watch this movie. This is not fun. Yeah, don't watch this movie, guys. This is a movie uh, almost more, <laughs> I would say almost more than any movie we've seen. Mm-hmm. This is not the worst movie by a long shot. No. This is my strongest don't, don't go, watch. don't bother. Well, it's, a, it's a waste yeah. of yeah. your time. Yeah, it's long, too. It's, yeah, it's long. Mel? Um, I'm just, I'm 25. <laughs> and that's just that was it. it. Like, um, there's well, no, geez. I have no change of heart whatsoever. You get 25 for Meryl. For casting, <laughs> for casting Meryl, you've already made like somewhat of a good decision, yeah. and then after that, like I, I got nothing. It's a good way to put it. I don't disagree. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I don't. So, yeah. Um, where'd you I'm, start I'm, from? Kenny? I'm right in the same neighborhood as you guys. Mm-hmm. 32 is where I started. Okay, and I this is what I wrote. I wrote, it's a nice movie because it's a nice story, and I'm a guilty white liberal. But it's an outdated <laughs> idea because the entire story lives on the premise that. Lives on this premise, an already boring and rote and bloodless and conflictless movie becomes deeply problematic. And that's really how I think I feel. Yeah. Is that yeah. like it it's kind of not great to begin with, and it was poorly told. Yeah. So 32. I I, I was before you guys went so bold as 25 and 28, I was gonna stay at 32. That's basically what I have. It's that neighborhood. Yeah. All right. So um I don't want to like you, you guys had more guts than me. 32 is where I'm going to stay. Yeah, clearly I didn't have guts. Now let's write the soundtrack. Oh, 99. <laughs> <laughs> There's one song, two Those, songs, I guess. Yeah. Gloria. Yeah. Isaac. That's not a good song, though. It doesn't matter because here's the thing. <laughs> it got stuck in my head. It's not even that. I remember when that song came out. I remember the video. Not from, I have not watched it since 99 and I still remember the video. I do too. And I think that there's something to that. And I have this movie to thank for bringing, because I remember hearing it and also thinking like, oh, like they have a deeper, more serious side to them. And like, Gloria's not bringing much to this, but that's fine. I will say that song is better than this movie. That video is better than this movie. Yeah, that yes. music video is better. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. I'll, I'll throw out the five nominees that year. Of best song? Because it's quite a list. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite a list. The winner is uh, You'll Be In My Heart from a movie, movie yeah. we've already just, done. I just saw that yeah. performed live. Which is a really so good. good song. Beautiful Great song. song. Beautiful song. shouldn't have won, but it's a good song. It shouldn't have won over, obviously, Save Me. By Amy Mann. By Amy Mann from Magnolia, which yeah. I still choose to listen to all the time. All the time. Um, this was nominated. <laughs> Written by Diane Warren. Yep. So, you know, <laughs> no, she can craft it. a yeah, tune. Sure. Um, then two from, two from animated movies, two more from animated movies. When She Loved Me from oh, that's a great song. Toy Story 2, which is, yeah. that's a fucking great song. That one makes that's me cry. cry every yeah. time. That, Wait, was that yeah. performed? That was not performed Sarah by Bob, Sarah McLaughlin. So it was performed yeah. by Sarah McLaughlin. It was yeah. written by Randy Newman. Mm-hmm. That's a, that, that sequence is Destroys fucking me. heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah that's that kind of the proto, oh, that's yeah. kind of that proto up thing too, where they, <laughs> yeah. I think that's when, that is when oh. they realized what they can do to you. Yeah. 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 With a montage. Um, <laughs> Oh my god! The most powerful of screenwriting tools, <laughs> and the, and of course, Lame Canada. Oh, oh which that's a great I, list, actually. That that's I mean, those are five great songs. I remember watching Robin Williams perform Blame Canada and being really upset and offended as a Canadian. Well, the thing about I that, I didn't understand <laughs> South Park. I had never seen it. Well, I didn't know sure. anything about the world. I was just real sad. It's it was, the only song that could be nominated because I think the other ones have like swearing. Yeah, Blame, yeah, Blame right. Canada is an amazing song. Um, <laughs> 
But, I'm surprised it hasn't been co-opted by Trump at this point. Well, I mean, the whole thing is like, that's the point. Well, now you put that out <laughs> there. But, yeah, but, sorry. sorry. But the, re- the, sorry. the revelation for that movie is Uncle Fucker. Yeah. No, for sure. That yeah. was one of the most yeah. impactful moments I have ever wow. had sitting in a theater. I didn't, wow. I, I liked South Park and it just never occurred to me. It yeah. just never occurred to me that anyone could put something like that on screen. When we, yeah. when we cover South Park, which hopefully should be soon, our guest is going to sing that song, I think. Oh my God. Our guest can thing. sing. And our guest can sing. How exciting. Yeah. Will you tell me later? Who it is? Well, as soon as we're off mic, okay. I'll tell you. Um, thank you, Corinne. Thank you, Mel. For thank both you. I wish uh, I could sing. I'd, I'd belt out I wish a you could sing this NSYNC song to just You can do it. Just, just do it. Just go look just it up it. on uh, Apple Music. <laughs> 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 Why are you <laughs> plugging NSYNC right now? No, don't do it. It'll be stuck They're in your back. head. Yeah, They're awful. back in uh, now. So. so thank you for, for being on here. We can't wait to have you back again, either together or individuals. Can't wait. Uh, Let's do it. We're very excited. Next week, we are doing All About My Mother, the uh, Pedro Almodovar film um, with uh, my friend Haley Wairengo is coming on. She's an executive at uh, a pod at Amazon. And... Uh, we're really excited to do this movie. It's a great, great movie that I had not seen. Well, Kenny, maybe not so much. Uh, I can't wait for the discussion. I, I, I really feel like I was, um, I, I need to talk about it. I'm excited to Let's talk about it. Let's put it that it. way. I will, I will, I'm excited to talk about it. I think it's very, I think Almodovar is a, a tremendous filmmaker. I've not seen all of his movies, so I can't speak that in depth in terms of everything that he's done. But uh, I really, I really loved watching this movie again, um, and it's a standout foreign film. There are a handful of them that we'll be covering in '99, and uh, it's one that uh, that I'm really excited to talk about. This one won best foreign language film this year. It did. So it's um, it's very relevant, and it is very relevant because it is also our 52nd movie of the year, a full year of podcasts like it's 1999. Yeah. So, um, so we're we're capping it off with an Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, 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 a very interesting movie that I think will lead to a very interesting conversation. Thanks, guys. You, I, got, you guys are Are you on the Instagrams the and the Twitters and the what have yous? I think so. Sort of. No. We did this the last time they were on. If you guys want to find them, they're out there. Mm. Go find them. You can Good find luck. me. You, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, Mel's just dared you to find her on social media, so... <laughs> Good luck. Uh, I'm at PM Iscove on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Podcast Like 1999. Thank you for tuning in. Um, hope to uh, hope you tune in next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.